three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is the Reverend, the Captain, some guy named Bushy, and the Doc over there. We would like to welcome our guests. Say hello to the Grunt Style Foundation. How are you guys doing today, sir? We're doing fantastic. All Thank right. Thank you for having us. And, uh, and we have Will Wisner, who is the director of the Grunt Style Foundation. Is that correct? I, that's right. I'm the executive. Uh, ex- executive. Ooh, that's like a grand that sounds, potent. Boom. But it's, that sounds both fancy and dirty. Well, <laughs> it's still the nonprofit world, so you know I'm still ramen noodling uh, for most of my nutrition. We get it. All right. And joined with you today is Drew. And what is your position with the organization? I'm director of development. Director of development. What do you develop? Um, all things money. That's what makes the foundation go. Oh, we so. would get along. Oh, right. okay. Fair. <laughs> you and the captain will be talking later. So he's like, all things money. That's good. We have pledge forms. That's good. Let's go. That is awesome. So before we get into our conversation, I'm going to get high because that's what I do. And uh, let's talk about the Grunt Style Foundation. First off, I think we need to get into how we met, right? You guys had put out a pretty purposeful piece uh, about legislation that you had went before um, the Missouri legislation to uh, talking about the legalization of psilocybin for the purposes of mental health research. And that's what got our attention because we're like, hey, we're the stoned apes and we kind of know a little something about psilocybin because that's in our name. And we wanted to kind of get a hold of you guys to see what it was exactly that you were doing. Would you like to talk about that piece a little bit? Yeah, sure. So uh, the piece you're referencing was just the transcript of the uh, uh, statement that I gave before the Missouri legislature on that. Uh, it was uh, back uh, last... Jeez, when was that? It was early part of the year, I think, when they're yeah. closing out the legislative session before it went into uh, perfection and all that. So, uh, yeah, we, we just uh, posted a blog article uh, with the transcript and uh, the, the intent there, of course, is uh, providing access and research into these alternative healing modalities. We know what the VA is currently doing uh, just simply isn't working. Just call it for what it is. You know, we, we've the colloquially we say 22 veterans a day are killing themselves uh, by suicide, and you know that number has remained fairly well consistent throughout the duration of the entirety of the global war on terror. And uh, you know, there's 22 vets a day were killing themselves in 2008. And here we are in 2023, and 22 veterans a day are still killing themselves. No progress. So, so something is <clears throat> not working. And we know, <clears throat> pardon me, the primary modality that you know that the VA is using for this beyond you know there's a lot of little things that they they complement in that are that are great and they're effective in their own way. Everything from um, you know group therapy and talk therapy and you know the traditional. Uh, you know, uh, psychotherapy type work. And then uh, I think the one that we're all familiar with is in the veterans. And I'm sure everybody here that's a veteran can probably relate to this. You know, you go to the VA, you get your psych tag for PTSD, and here is your buffet line of uh, SSRIs. And along with that comes pills that go to treat the symptoms that you get for, you know, taking those SSRIs. And then sometimes you have to have you know, pills to handle the side effects of the pills that are handling the side effects of those SSRIs. And uh, it's a spiral, right? And I give a lot of, of talks and speeches on this topic where I'm trying to explain to people and connect the dots of uh, how this spiral really works. And I generally frame it within the context of uh, military-related toxic exposure illnesses because that's really how I got into the nonprofit space. You know, I did 12 of my 15 months in Iraq 
was spent at the Altawatha nuclear complex, which was Saddam's nuke facility. If you remember back before the war when you had uh, the United Nations guys going in and out in the white suits looking for the weapons of mass destruction, right? Well, that's where my combat outpost was that, that I lived on. And when we came home, uh, a lot of the guys, you know, that I was with ended up getting pretty bizarre symptoms, illnesses, weird cancers, you know, all these things. Uh, and, and I was uh, not the exception there. I, I also had a lot of problems with my health. And, of course, when I went to the VA, uh, you know, I'd already been tagged as, you know, you, here, oh, you got a combat action badge. You know, I, was, I was a 19 Delta. I was a Cav Scout. So uh, I got a cab. So uh, by virtue of having that, here's your, you know, per, here's your uh, automatic 20% disability for PTSD. And along with that comes, you know, all the things that we were just talking about. So coming back in with these weird illnesses that are really hard to pin down, uh, the VA's response to that is, well, maybe this is psychosomatic. Maybe this isn't physiological. Maybe it's psychological. And, you know, this is your authority. You know, it's your doctor, right? It's your healthcare team. So they, they have that appeal to authority that we, we go into, and not many people know a whole lot about uh, what they need to be aware of or, or even willing or want to explore the things that they don't know, right? Because who, who wants to look under the bed? You know, you're scared of what you might find, right? So people tend to go along with that. Um, I was a little bit different in that I knew damn well where I'd lived. And, uh, you know, sure. when we first came into uh, Altawatha, there was a little engineer stake. I can still see it very clearly in my mind's eye, you know, as I think back on it. There was an engineer stake with a little uh, three-by-five card laminated with a little little yarn string holding it on the, uh, the, the post that said, perhaps you have seen the mutant children in Altawatha. The Army Environmental Services uh, you know, has, has surveyed this area and deemed it fit for human habitation. Like, oh, well, we're good then. You know, of course not. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, that was on my mind, and I kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And, uh, you know, they pushed back. No, no, no. You have this uh, moral compass injury. You've seen or done something so contrary to your sense of right or wrong that it's, you know, shattered your psyche in some way. Now you're manifesting these phantom illnesses. Here, take these pills. And that's the case for a lot of guys. Jesus. And so, you know, you have, um, uh, you, you start going down that road and, you know, things don't get better. And so you, you come back and uh, they say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's things and, you know, it's not precision. So let's dial that in. And maybe they change your meds. Well, these SSRIs sometimes can take three to six months to even begin to show efficacy if they do it all. You know, it's not a high efficacy rating with SSRIs. And uh, so you go through this process of trying to dial it in. Well, after about the third time of dialing it in, now suddenly they're like, oh, I see what's going on here. You're a damn dirty pill seeker. You know, <laughs> so, so now you're crazy. Mm -hmm. And you're crazy because you've done something so contrary to your moral compass that it shatters your psyche to the point you're creating fake illnesses. And now you're a drug seeker. Well, your family's aware of this. They're, they're tracking what's going on. Your wife's aware of it. Your parents are aware of it. Your siblings are aware of it. Your kids are aware of it. And, and worse, you're, you're aware of it. So, you know, that, those eyeballs that you feel on you, you know, are only a sliver of the shame and everything that goes along of, of when your eyeballs are on yourself looking into that mirror, right? Right. And so now, uh, you know, things get worse well the worst part is is you still have this physiological illness that's still going on and uh you're still sick and pretty soon you can't work and then pretty soon you you have no way to support your family and so now you're moving into the mom and dad's basement and you know it's not real long beyond that that you know all these other uh, problems start to manifest 
just due to, you know, these things are piling on top of each other. And suddenly, you know, you lose your job. And, you know, uh, you know uh, the wife leaves, takes the kid. They're gone. You know, it's a short run all the way down to joining that ranks of those 22 a day. So that's kind of the, the, the spiral there, right, that I have seen over and over again, you know, in our space. And, you know, whenever uh, the, uh, uh, I guess, the uh, modality of psychedelic-assisted therapy came to me, I didn't know anything about it. I, you know, I'd never so much to smoke marijuana or anything like that. I was a pretty straight-arrow guy. But I, at that point, you're willing to try whatever. And at that point, you know, for me, it wasn't so much I, was, I had my own moral injury that I was really wanting to work on. It was more the veterans that I was working with through this issue of toxic exposure because i came into the nonprofit world you know working with burn pits 360 the sergeant sullivan center you know these nonprofits that were dedicated to military related toxic exposures and i watched all this this trauma just pile on top of trauma you know while being denied health care and you know that really kind of captured my heart even more so than just the the toxic exposure which we we did you know win that battle and, and provide health care by way of the pact act so i mean that's a that's a big feather in our cap that's a big win a great battle huge that a, win. yeah and that was that was a huge thing for us um but what good does that do uh, 20 years of 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 turmoil when the veteran community where these people are going through <clears throat> these scenarios like i just explained well, if maybe this magic potion from a shaman in the jungles of the Amazon can can bring relief that all of these modalities that the VA is offering that, that are not effective and, in fact, are compounding problems, mm -hmm. you know, I'll look at that. I'm not so proud. You know, I'm, I'm right. happy to take a look. And so I did. And that's when I plugged into uh, ayahuasca was uh, the first step into, you know, kind of that space. And... Uh, it turned out I did have a lot of issues. And so even if I did think I did, surprise, you do. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> yeah. So you, you get confronted with, you know, here's the 57 ways that you're a piece of shit, you know, and uh, you have to deal with that and work on that. And uh, it's quite liberating and it's quite healing. And so uh, I'm not a special case in that. I think most people that go through that process in some way come away with this like overwhelming compulsion to help other people and try to steer them towards, you know, uh, that kind of a modality as well, because if it, if it could do that for me, you know, I'm not saying it's going to work for you. It's not a silver bullet. It's not guaranteed. But why deny you that opportunity or why keep that to yourself and keep it sec secret when you're watching? You know, I, I don't even have enough fingers and toes for all the people that I've been affiliated with over my 17 and a half years of military you know, that are no longer here that have died by their own hand. And, you know, uh, if, if, you know, drinking a, a potion with a shaman in, a, in the Amazon can, can, can stop that cycle, okay, I'll be an evangelist for that. Well, how many, how many of those cocktails have saved a life versus how many of the, the, the cocktail that the VA is issuing? has yeah. done the opposite, opposite effect of what's going on. Well, yeah, and, and to be fair to the VA, you know, these are not, you know, it's not just uh, garbage or snake oil that they're trying to push. I mean, as much as what we may talk about it in that vein of that it is those things, you know, the fact is, is, you know, some people do find benefit in that and some people it does help, and I'm sure that it has saved a lot of lives. And in fact, if you probably put that into a ratio, it's probably saved more lives than what ayahuasca has. Just because more people know that this is a thing, yeah, more people exposure. are plugged into that. Well, they but, treat it like it's the end-all, be-all. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, this is just an alternative. It may not be for you. It may not uh, resonate with you. Uh, 
But well, then again, it may. I, I think what I really like that you're saying the most is that it's a naturopathic method that needs to be explored as an alternative. And that, I think, is what's worth, you know, that's what got me started on my journey to cannabis, you know, and I'm not going to talk about that again. But essentially, the modern medical system failed me. I went to the end of that road and couldn't find help. And so I turned to an alternative source. And at that time, it was cannabis, right? And I thought, well... They've said that cannabis is decent at curing prostate cancer and these other things, and I've tried all this other stuff. Nothing else has seemed to work. I, what do I have to lose but to try this? You know, three, in two and a half, three years later, I no longer have symptoms. You know, I have no um, medical proof that uh, it has cured anything, but I know that the quality of my day-to-day -day life has improved. I know that I'm not dealing with those symptoms anymore. And then I think also the other part of that is understanding how to get into research and then explore alternative methods. Like why I was taking cannabis to cure what I thought was cancer. Then I also started to explore the benefits to health and mental health. Right. And then that's when I got when I got started down the road of smoking cannabis, understanding the impact of how taking an edible breaks that blood brain barrier, how smoking it also has a different effect on you. And then I started reading a lot of this bad dare program research, and it talked about how drugs can change your brain and create genetic and DNA modifications and all this stuff. And I thought, well, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I, I needed to do just that, but I'm going to set my intentions and I'm going to use it. And then so I started using in conjunction with my therapy. And that was probably only about eight months ago. But man, the improvement that I've seen that way, and I think it just opens your mind, is that you have to not just look at these alternative methods with an open mind. Research the bad. Also think about how that could be good. Think about what hasn't been tried, right? If if weed, for example, can um, can strengthen your, your state of mind, so like somebody who's a depressive or they go into it with depression, it can make the depression worse. Yeah, That's a fact, right? Absolutely. And it can lead to a lot of problems. So I thought, okay, that's a danger. Obviously, you don't want to turn to this as a coping mechanism, right? But those same things that allow it to be so dangerous are also things that allow it to be positive. That's where responsible use comes in. Absolutely. And then when I used it in conjunction with my therapy and I used it in conjunction with therapeutic techniques like rapid eye movement and things of that nature, uh, box breathing methods, whatever to reduce anxiety, then I started to see improvement. And I, you know, I didn't have to go to other methods for that. So, yeah, I think that's beautiful that at least you're offering an alternative and it seems to be an educated alternative and, and not just pre presenting it as the only way. But um, I want to go back to something that we had talked about in our conversation the other night, because, you know, one thing that uh, I always like to do is I like to break things down to the biological animal, mm -hmm. right? Trying to understand who we are biologically and one of the things you said to me tonight the other night i actually had theorized and didn't have proof with it but you said that the ancient warrior tribes that before they went out to battle they would do an ayahuasca experience and then when we returned from battle they would do another one to kind of reset and find that and i and i was already thinking that i was thinking that a lot of these ancient psychedelics were most likely used to treat trauma like war like ptsd like there was a reason why they had the 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 smoke dens and things like that when the men returned from battle right and i was already theorizing that to begin with but then you said that and i thought oh would you like to expand on that a little bit more well yeah you know and that's uh <clears throat> my colleague my boss uh tim jensen uh he's our president of the foundation and uh the chief brand officer and co-owner of grunstyle 
you know, he, he really resonates with that. So he, he talks about that a lot. So that's where it's coming from. And it's not specifically ayahuasca, you know, I mean, he's talking in, in the cultures he was, he was referring to, you know, it's probably more akin to, you know, psilocybin, uh, more so than that, you know, ayahuasca is certainly a South America thing, but, um, you know, this stuff is old as time, right? And, you know, these guys are, are, are going into this thing through a spiritual dimension. You know, this was not, you know, hey, this has neuroplastic, you know, neuro, <laughs> you know, neurogenesis properties that, you know, they're not looking at these things through that lens however long ago. Yeah, they were looking at it as a spiritual way to heal your soul, you know, to, to uh, cleanse your soul, to purge yourself of those demons or, or, or whatever way that we want to contextualize that. And, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's a powerful Testament, man. You know, the world's been spinning a long time and, you know, we, we've had sciences, we understand it for not real long. And to, uh, I think there's an awful lot of arrogance and an awful lot of hubris in, uh, you know, uh, uh, looking at these modalities that have been used for millennia. And now it's just like, we just discovered it. You know, it's like Columbus coming to the new world. Oh, we discovered this whole place. Now people have been here for a long time. And uh, there's a lot of wisdom that's, that's wrapped up into this stuff. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we want to advocate in the way that we're advocating, because there is a ceremonial aspect. You know, I, I set with these psychedelics ceremonially. I don't, this is not recreational for me. <clears throat> this is a very spiritual uh, practice for me. It's also a healing practice for me. Um, uh, so I don't want to discount, you know, the wisdom that has been handed down through these ages. And I do take exception to the idea of, well, we have to do this research so we can figure out how to use it. Well, why don't we just look at the guys that have been using it for thousands of years and see what they're doing? You know, and to me, it's crazy that they're going, well, we're going to, we're going to take this novel thing to us, but not to you. We're going to take this novel thing that you have made us aware of, and then we're going to research it and we're going to figure out how all the, the inner workings work and then we're going to strip it of all the spiritual value that that goes along with it, which, in my opinion, is really kind of how this stuff works. And then we're going to give it back to, you know, the community in a sterile environment, in a white tile, you know, room and in some hospital somewhere. Uh, you know, I don't know that that's where that would go, but, you know, I'm just I'm just talking out my ass here a little bit on that. But, uh, you know, how arrogant is that? And then we're going to go back and like, there you go, silly brown people in a jungle. You know, we've showed you the right way to do this. Well, I, th I think they're on the wrong track with that. I think there's research. I think it should be uh, and I'm all for research. You know, I'm all for research. But I do think there needs to be like a cultural anthropological study into this of, of how the tribes are using it. And that should be part of that conversation and that research. Yeah, I agree. I think that's very well said, you know, and I've made that argument, uh, not in the same context as far as psychedelics is concerned, but it's definitely with ancient knowledge. Like I've always talked about that with astrology, right? You look at astrology and their understanding of stars and star maps and elliptical orbits and all of this stuff. And you think, think about the time frame it takes for just one of those things to occur. And then think about it from a scientific testing method. You're going to have to not just one, develop a way to track something, but then develop a way to track it, then test it, then perform the test, then retest, and then eventually until you know that you have this and this is factual data. So you're talking at least, you know, let's let's look at something small, a 10,000 year period. You're looking at at least three 10,000 year periods before you have one of those things that you consider scientifically accurate. And ancient astrology is so accurate that modern astronomy is built on top of it. And it's arrogant to think that what we've achieved in the last 10,000 years is the peak of civilization. There must have been a lot more knowledge for civilizations that existed 
a lot longer than we have currently existed and probably will continue to exist at our current rate. Um, and then realize that somebody had a lot of this stuff already figured out. And then all we're doing is rediscovering what people already knew. And we had shed that and lost that along the way. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, but to tie all this back together into the how we met and what I was doing there talking to, to the Missouri uh, government is, uh, you know, back to that research element. You know, it's, it's okay, let's understand it. If we're going to put money into this stuff and, and, and research it, yes, we need to do the research. The problem is this stuff, MDMA, psilocybin, whatever, this stuff is Schedule 1. So the problem there is that it is damn near impossible to do research on something that is Schedule 1. The bureaucratic regulations and the hoops that you have to jump through and the tremendous cost that's involved. I mean, you know, there's, there's credentials that, that go along if you want to do that research. So first got to find a team that's willing to put the money into doing that research. Pri then that privately. team has to, yeah, well, yeah, or even if it's funded through whoever, you know, somebody has to carry it out. You know, there's not like an army of... You know, government researchers are going to jump <laughs> exactly. in and do it. They're going to outsource like, that out to some. Cannabis is a schedule two, like correct? Or is it a one? It has it has now therapeutic business. No, it is not one. No, it's a two. Well, and, I think, I think, think it may it, actually be one on the federal on the registry. federal level. It is okay. I was saying, think about how hard that has been to get research on. That's been a, uh, damn near impossible. Yeah, and and when you're dealing with these uh, psychedelics, you know, the, the bureaucratic nightmare that's involved in that in that obstacles to, you have to jump through you know if you have that team say you got 50 guys on your team you know it's not like you get a credentialing for the whole group you know in one step no all 50 members of that team are going to have to go through the same process to get that same credentialing so the manpower alone in the paperwork is you know pretty prohibitive so you know we want to reschedule these things down to schedule two so we can actually get these universities and, and research groups and whoever else that's wanting to do this stuff to get in and do that um that's it you know if it turns out that you know uh these things are all the things that you saw on the the nancy reagan dare you know commercials in the 80s you know is true well they can always pull that back if that's what they need to do um i hate leading with that as part of any kind of conversation when we're doing advocacy or talking to politicians or you know championing this kind of cause because I, I i don't want to lead with uh uh, weak ground of you know conceding points that I don't necessarily agree with are even really a valid point, uh, but you know that's that's the nature of the beast, right? Well, and I think it shows though to at least the one thing it does is strengthen your argument in the fact that it shows that you're being open minded to the idea that the research could prove it false. You're not just coming in there with an assumption that it's going to be a certain way. You know, you're open-minded. You're showing that you're willing to accept both outcomes. But at least we need to give it a chance to be tested, to be proven. That's that's. I think that's the fairest part of the argument. Agreed. There's enough anecdotal evidence right now to warrant some real research. Well, and what's your alternative? You're just going to keep going to the VA? The status quo is not working. <clears throat> no, it's not. So we'll, you know, reject the status quo. Absolutely. I mean, you're on the the... <laughs> the the floor of the you know Jefferson City here or going to DC and I mean I, I saw a uh, a thing with you and uh, Tara Peters you know the psychedelic 
whole conversation you were having with her, and it's actually being implemented or at least talked about on the floor. Mm-hmm. That's massive. Yeah, and people don't know. people don't see that with you guys. Like they like they say, oh, foundation. What's that mean? <laughs> right. You know, and, right. and, and until you start really diving into what's going on, you don't know what's going on and what you're working towards. And you guys are making waves, big waves. Yeah, we really are. It's it's we we have got some political capital built. Uh, the Pact Act provided a lot, and you know the the cool part here is. Not a lot of nonprofits, not a lot of private foundations have a grunt style behind them to help, you know, engage, to even open the doors to engage these kinds of conversations. You know, uh, there's a lot of really smart people, a lot smarter than me, that's got a lot more experience than me in a lot of things, you know, that have been trying to sing that same song uh, for years. So I want to I want to circle back to the pack because I don't think people really understand how substantial that is. Um, it was a uh, it was a bill uh, signed over back in 22. Um, it's basically a new law that expands the VA health care and benefit for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange and other toxic substances. I did not know as a civilian what the burn pits were until you and I talked. Mm-hmm. And then I went down the rabbit hole and oh my God. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. scary. Like, can you just in a blimp view explain that for our viewership that doesn't understand what the hell a burn pit is and how awful it is yeah so a a burn pit was how we got rid of trash that's the simple way to to put it okay they had incinerators that are there uh but really just frankly i think it's more of a matter by volume i mean they had a whole bunch of a whole litany of reasons why they didn't use these incinerators that they got shipped over there they sat unused um it's easier, it's faster, it's you can burn more. You know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to use it, but essentially, what it is, it's a giant hole in the ground. They dig out, they excavate out this big asshole, and then they you throw everything in it, right? Everything from medical waste, body parts, uh, vehicles that have been blown up in IEDs, unexploded ordnance, dead animals, all plus all the food. And consider this: I love to use this uh, as an explanation for people that don't maybe haven't actually seen one, but. Uh, imagine a town of 10,000 people, right? It's got all, you know, you can go to Walmart, you can buy bags of Doritos and, you know, whatever you want. You can go out to eat, you know, you're generating trash, right? Now imagine that town of 10,000 people with no sanitation services, mm-hmm. yeah, no way to get rid of the trash. Right? Less than 24 hours before it, hell breaks loose. Yeah. You're going to have a, a tremendous amount of this, this, this rubbish and stuff pile up. Yep. Well, you got to do something with it. And that's, that's exactly what, you know, the burn pits were for and you know i like to to liken it to you you, you look back at everybody's seen mash you know that go into the to the to the chow tent and you get your little tin tray and you get your your food you know and then when you're done eating you you rinse off the little tray and you fill your canteen from a lister bag or whatever minimal footprint i guess um you know, we had Pizza Hut. We had green beans. We had Some Subway. Had pizza Hut. I mean, how, how absurd is that, right? Well, I just came back from a raid. I need to go get a double tall, whatever the hell Starbucks calls Mocha it, large latte coffee. who gives a shit. Right. So you're, you, you've got, you know, this don't, convenience. Don't knock on Starbucks. I know. Well, it, was, it was green beans. Was one we had. I was looking at my cup. I just got one. Hurt Starbucks. my sensibilities a little bit. Yeah, most, most civilians listen to probably going to know what a green beans is. He's a pumpkin. He's pumpkin a pumpkin spice whore over here so don't you're gonna hurt his feelings but uh, you know what do you it's my season <laughs> what are you gonna do with that why do you have these modern conveniences you know that's the part of the military industrial complex that that no one Nobody looks at talks or, even, about. or even understands that it's part of it it's big business man you know uh, when i was using that reference to mash and their chow tent you know they don't have that anymore 
know, we didn't have army cooks and nope. tents. We had it's all civilians. Yeah, they flew all in. Contractors. They flew in plywood to build these giant dining facilities, and then they stock it with people from third world countries that are willing to go to a war zone to serve me chow for <laughs> you know however much money. And then you go into these dining facilities. Here's your little cardboard corrugated plate and your little plastic sleeve with a plastic spoon and a plastic fork and a little thing of salt and a little thing of pepper and you're gonna get this fantastic meal you get a full salad bar whatever the hell you want oh look here on the back walls this giant cooler you got all the soda in the world you could have you got all the gatorade you want you know and of course rippets everybody loves oh, rippets the whole on. war ran you know sponsored by rippet great but, uh, <laughs> great great where it's at you know, they, but they're they're billing the government you know a lot of money i don't remember what the that correct number is anymore it's been a while but i want to say it was like 35 bucks a plate every time they did that well imagine that fob of 10,000 people you know eating breakfast you know that's 10,000 times we'll say 35 for the sake of the discussion yeah, right? absolutely and, and do that again by lunch now do that again by dinner now multiply all that by all the number of fobs. And all the there. gummies and chewies and all the things bought. The pogey bait from Absolutely. the little shopettes yeah. and the little PXs. And then you the throw in the subway. Got, got you hit throw by in the IDs or a mess. And, yep. I mean, just the, the list goes on and on forever. Yep. So anyhow, they take all this stuff. They put it in this pen. They douse it in jet fuel JP. and light it on fire. Now, on top of that, you have guys that are living very close to these pits and i mean and and this isn't like a burn barrel you know just burning in your yard or a lot of guys like oh yeah i burn shit here and there it's like tires no man it's like black a pure black smoke it's like you lit a pile of tires on fire but the size of a skyscraper right it's massive right i mean pilots that were i've had many pilots tell me this that they use the the smoke columns from the burn pits to navigate on to help them there and there so, I mean, it's crazy that this was a thing. And, you know, what's even crazier is that we all went along with it. Were we all <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome or what? You know, it's like showing up like I was talking about earlier. You know, the Army Services people have said, hey, this is safe to live here. Bullshit. It's safe to live here. This is, it doesn't, you don't got to be a rocket surgeon to know that breathing that stuff is going to somehow affect your health. But, but that, then we yeah. had this situation where the VA is going, well, we don't know if there's long-term health effects from this. We just don't know. We need to do more research. <laughs> well, now you know. Shit. Yeah. To, to put a dollar figure on that, he said $35 per plate by 10,000 people in that town is $1,050,000 a day. A meal? Yeah, I believe it. A meal. I believe it. Three meals. Yep. For three meals, it's a million. Over a million dollars. Yeah. Times so, so there you go. That's, that's in my Times 22 opinion. years. Yeah. Right. My opinion, that is why we had burn pits. Oh, it's a hundred percent. It was an economy decision. I think so too. For hundred percent. And you also got to think too, uh, if we completely got rid of them, which they were loath to. I mean, they fought down to the dying breath on on this burn. In fact, there's still burn pits going on mm-hmm. sure. um, today. They just have gotten creative over how they run them. Now you have third party. You know, third. You know, the the host country nationals are, are running these things. Yep. So like, well, we can't tell them what to do. Well, it's like <laughs> they didn't come up with the idea by themselves. You know, so. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting dilemma. But uh, that was a burn pit. It's well, and, and think about this too, Captain. Think about a vehicle that gets shot with uh, tank rounds or high heat or a lot of stuff's depleted uranium. So now they're putting depleted uranium into a burn pit. <laughs> on top of all the other things that we'll just discuss, very likely. And our soldiers are right next to that. Oh, absolutely. All right, next to. Oh it. yeah, so I had a burn pit right next to where I slept. Yep. 
I yeah, just, we had two buildings, and then there was a small wall, and on the other side of the wall, we had a burn pit in between the the wall and the motor pool, and they burned that thing. You know, or wasn't uh, I was in '03, so it wasn't quite as built up yet. Yeah, and uh, we were still in this old Republican Guard compound. It was 270 Thunderdome, so it was uh, more similar to like the mash style, where we didn't have quite as much waste. But man, that thing burned all the time, and it would be nothing to get smoked out while you're sitting in there. Yeah. I never thought anything of it. See, I, I totally did. I mean, I remember sitting around breathing it, you know, inside the tent and just literally laughing with everybody like, this shit's going to kill me. You know, and you just laugh it off. It's welcome, like, to the but I mean, welcome to the culture. Just even right? breathing it in, you're like, this is not good. Yeah. <laughs> this is I not think okay. that's, that's called embrace the suck. Embrace, embrace the, the suck. suck. Yeah, that's exactly it. We Absolutely. all said it. As a civilian, I should have took blood pressure pills before this. I knew it was going to get so worked up. It just <laughs> infuriates me so much to high end. You know, and then you get so much kickback from the government when you guys try. I'm just glad there's people like you guys out there making waves. Well, and we beat it. Yeah, right. exactly. That's exactly. That's it, Will. Because that's the story here in terms of Grunt Style Foundation is not about burn pits. Did we, you know, end a burn pit? That's that's not what the, 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 the end of the story here is. It's that we fought for and got access to health care for up to 3.5 million veterans that right. deployed right. and that was you know and in you know we we did not do that by ourselves by stretch you know i prior to, that's how i came to work for grunt style was i was on the board of directors for a nonprofit called burn pits 360 it's uh, ran by a lady named uh rosie torres who started the organization uh for her husband leroy who is uh, affected by uh these burn pits and just the nightmare that the VA put those poor, lovely, incredible people through. You know, Leroy is literally the most godly man, uh, most decent man, uh, just an incredible human being. And he was a, a Texas uh, Highway Patrol officer, and, you know, he lost his job from that. And, you know, they really just did him dirty. Uh, you know, that went all the way up through the, to the Supreme Court. You know, uh, it, it was just that egregious. And every step along the way, all these government agencies were acting as roadblocks uh, because, you know, they had to protect, you know. They had to tow the status line. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly. Absolutely. I will say it spoke volume when I was watching the videos and all that with you guys lobbying. And, and I think it was Tim Jensen, but he was screaming at the uh, the politicians that went against the PAC movement. And he's like, why don't you guys come fight with us? Yeah. You're willing to send people overseas to fight, but why don't you fight this fight here? Yeah. And that's, to me, like, just cut me to the core. I'm like. He's he's right. Only if those politicians were naked, walking down the street with someone saying "shame, shame, <laughs> yeah. shame." Well, Next I don't year. know that that Next would necessarily <laughs> move the needle, but Tim's well, pretty effective would, when he gets worked. It up. sure would be oh, fun yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, he was Ken. screaming and yeah. bless that man too because he like I can't speak highly enough. Like I, I know I'm on the civilian side, but I sincerely appreciate the work you guys have put into just in that packed, you know, bill that got passed. I know it wasn't just well, you guys, but it, you had a big finger in it. We and, did. And yeah. somebody's got to do the work. We, where we shined is that we brought the shame, mm-hmm. and we brought the pressure, and we brought the heat, and we brought the the, the the visibility. Accountability. On that. Yeah, well, John Stewart lifted the lion's share of all of it. I mean, credit where credit's sure. due. That was a John Stewart show, and we were just, you know, kind of along for the ride, you know, with him. But, uh, you know, that, that story of the PACT Act, uh, where it's, you know, the really kind of the 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 – I guess the the climax of the story, maybe, you know, that thing went through the house. It went to the Senate. They had baked a poison pill into the bill version when it got to the Senate. 
which was just a funding thing. It was like one line that said, and we will provide funding for rural VAs or something like that. And so I had to go back to the house because, well, we, you know, the power of the purse is with the house, and you know that has to originate there. That's how that game's played. So, and that's what they did. It was a game, right? Yeah. They put this poison pill, and they're like, "Oh man, we, had, you know, who knew? Oh, we oh, tried. What a mistake! Yeah, mm-hmm. the, gee, the the election's coming. It's probably not going to be the same house, so you know, it's probably going to have to go to the next Congress. Well, the house got it, and it was a super hot potato. So they turned that thing around and flipped it right back to the Senate, just as fast as they could. And when when it went back to the Senate, we thought that this was a victory lap. You know, so I didn't even go. Uh, Tim and Rosie and you know all the folks that were you know part of the crew all showed up there in D.C. Uh, to take the victory lap and be there for when it's announced. You know, that the bill passed and and have the celebration. And we had twenty five Republican senators flip. These guys voted in the affirmative for this bill thirteen days before they voted against it on the second round. So they kind of just got, you know, from, from my way of looking, this is just my opinion, uh, it looks to me like, you know, they got put up against a wall, and when, when push came to shove, you know, they had to show their hand. Sure. And they just ran out of the political smoke show. <laughs> and uh, there you go, they voted against it. So, you know, I was at home, I got a phone call from Tim, and uh, he says, hey, are you watching this? And then, yeah, it's blowing up all over Twitter and all this other stuff. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, fuck this, man. We're not, we're not going home." He's like, "How fast can you get to DC?" I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I can look, but probably by tonight." So, 10:30 that night, I was, I was on the steps of the Senate in DC, and uh, we just let it set in on the steps of the Capitol, and so we're not going home. And we just started broadcasting out through the Grunt Style Media platforms and everything, like, "Hey, come join us if you're a veteran." And we did. We had people showed up, and uh, you know, six days later. Uh, they had revoted on the bill, and miraculously, we re got those twenty five Republicans that Ima- had flipped imagine on that us, came back, and we even picked up a few. Good, but uh, we did, and then we you know got to go to the White House for the signing of the bill, and it was a big deal. And uh, yeah, me and Drew were out there on the steps, and you know there was a whole lot of crazy stories that happened there. Yeah, I let Drew tell you some of those because they're pretty funny. Well, uh, you know, the first one that comes to mind is that we uh, were just sitting there one day, and all of a sudden somebody walks up with a uh, little tin of brownies from the French Foreign Legion, and they were pop brownies. <laughs> like, well, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, so, you know, random stuff would happen like that. I mean, we had more food than we could possibly even begin to eat. From non-American uh, from, entities. From just all over the that's place. That's speaking volumes right there. Uh, I mean, some of it, there was there was a local uh, a local restaurant guy who, who basically fed us Big for celebrity three or four chef. days. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of his name right now. Andre, but, Chef Andre. Yeah, Chef Andre, exactly. Um, and uh, pretty much every meal, he would he would drop off enough food for fifty people, even if there were twelve of us there. Wow, good man! <laughs> so we had just a sea of of food, of water, of support. Random people would come up. Hey, I see what you guys are doing. That's awesome. I just wanted to come down and spend a couple minutes with you. And, yeah. New York, you know, Police all of that was fantastic. Um, yeah, it's just a, a, and and really, it, it it stretched all over. You know, it, it was all different kind of people. It wasn't yeah. wasn't even just, you know, here's all the vets coming to support the other vets. It was the better portion of them were not vets. Yeah, we and we, you know, uh, I'll circle back to that point. Cause I know exactly what you're thinking. About. <laughs> I figured you might. They had, uh, you know, the New York Police Department, Fire Department. They sent pizzas. We had, uh, of course, the French Foreign Legion sent 
magic brownies. We had um, <laughs> the Canadian military sent us a bottle of Crown Royal. Um, and an apology. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty wild. But no, he, he, Drew's right, man. It was a motley crew. And that was a cool part because, you know, I mean, that really challenged my paradigm uh, view of how I how I viewed the world, right? So, you know, Boone, you guys had Boone on here a couple of weeks back. And I know you were talking about yeah, polarization as the enemy, right? Right, absolutely. And, and that's where I learned that lesson probably the the I'd, I'd always kind of leaned that way i've always been kind of more libertarian independent kind of critical thinking kind of a guy uh i have a lot of ideas that, that aren't necessarily conservative and i've got an awful lot of ideas that aren't liberal but um i'm just kind of a, a weird mix but historically i grew up in the ozark mountains in southwest missouri so you know i like to tell people i come from a place where if jesus christ you know was you know running on you know, the Democratic ticket and Satan showed up and ran on the Republican ticket. Well, you need to vote for Satan because he's a Republican. And that's what Jesus wants. It's, I think I remember that year. Yeah, so that, that's, that's how I grew up. And, you know, I, I, I plus, you know, the military is very conservative leaning and, and it was. Know, we, we get pulled into that polarization paradigm. Our team, tribalization, right? What's Boone talk about of the, you know, uh, something leads to polarization. Polarization, tribalization. Yeah. And dehumanization. Dehumanization and, and, then, and killing. then the killing. And killing. Right? So uh, we watched that firsthand. So anyhow, we had uh, David Hogg. You know, mm -hmm. the anti-gun oh, yeah. the, the guy? Hung yeah. out with him for five straight days. I'm yeah. sorry. He, he was, so was there. I. He was on those steps, man. The dude was on those steps, and he lent us a platform. And, you know, he reached a lot of people. And we had people show <clears> I, I have people that call me today that uh, were connected to David Hogg that came out. And, you know, we've sensed, you know, hey, they, they want, you know, uh, to talk shop or whatever about nonprofit stuff that they're doing. Uh, but that came from him. Um, so, you know, God bless David Hogg for that. I I. I'm not a fan of a lot of his viewpoints, but um, dude showed up. He met in the middle. And, and he sure. did bring some people, there is no doubt. He brought some awareness. Uh, yeah, we, we had uh, we, we had stripes of all kinds uh, there <laughs> on. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to get into that. Story, <laughs> but it was, that's that's it why was, I laid it out there. That was my poison pill. I want to see if he'd jump on it. it oh, Lord. <laughs> it, was, it was unique. Let's say there's some unique individuals that showed up. But you got shit done. We got the bill passed. That, and now we had, that's awesome. And we were only shooting for, originally, man, We our, our dream goal was one presumptive condition. And for those listening that don't know what a presumptive condition is, that's just when you've been diagnosed with something. If it's a presumptive, then the VA or the government says it is presumed that this illness or disability is a result of your military service. We were shooting for one. And how many did you get? 23. Mic drop. Mm, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, take that. Right. Ted yep. Cruz. <laughs> uh, don't even, oh, let's not go down the Ted Cruz path. <laughs> well, with, his, with his come and take it boots? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so Gruntstall, uh, the foundation does a lot more than just lobbying on the steps. You guys do a lot of stuff for the communities. Um, just my brief, short research. I mean, over tw 20, 22,000 shirts given out to people. 30 tons of food in one year like that is no no that's one event oh that was just one that's event that's just one event. oh my we do, we my do that apologies. every quarter we we target yeah you, know, you tell them drew what's your problem uh, well i mean i mean just to camp on that that number there uh, all those numbers are, are totally for one event uh but you know it, it even goes well beyond what most people even understand i mean if we go back to hurricane ian 
you know, when that happened, uh, you know, that that just completely and totally rocked Southwest Florida, completely rocked it. Because you're not just giving um, like a, a meal, you're giving supplies no, for a month. What, what well, you're this, talking this is about, kind of a separate though, now this is what you guys call deployments, correct? Yes. These the, are your deployments. The, well, the deployments are where we go into military installations around the country and we, we target uh, lower enlisted families because one in three are on food stamps. Yeah, live it's, it's, yeah, below the poverty line, absolutely. Yeah, it, it could be three for three, but yep. they take basic allowance for housing and basic allowance for subsistence into account, and therefore you make too much money to receive food yep. stamps, even though that's not real money that you never actually get. Yep, there's that blood pressure again. Yeah, right. But <laughs> so no, that was, that, that's that's a deployment is where we, we give them about a month's worth of groceries mm. and household items, uh, and we target anywhere between 350 to 650 families. That's and amazing. We do that every three months. But no, what Drew's talking about was something different. Yeah, it's kind of a separate program, or not even really a program. It's just a reaction. So you know, obviously, Hurricane Ian hit uh, hit Florida really, really hard. And uh, you know, one one morning we get an email. You know, for somebody hit the contact us button. You know, on our webpage, and it was a uh, assistant uh, fire chief for Fort Myer Fire Department, and he says, you know. I've got a I've got a bunch of guys who lost everything. You know, they're they're still at the station and they're still running calls, but they have lost everything. One of those guys happens to be a veteran. Would you guys be willing to try to outfit his family so they can have some clothes? And so, you know, that that obviously hit us hard. Uh, we pushed that up uh, up up north to uh, Carroll Stream, our where our fulfillment and production center is. And uh, inside of four hours, we had a tractor trailer loaded with 37,000 T-shirts leaving Chicago, headed to Fort Myer. <laughs> Amazing. And so just boom, just that quick. I mean, this is probably, I don't remember, I think it was probably day four-ish of the hurricane. So, I mean, uh, you know, where, where people really started to get the sense, mm -hmm. you know, shit's bad there. Right. <laughs> so we, you know, jumped, jumped in a car and uh, Brandon, who runs uh, Grunt Style Social Media, you know, joined me and, and we delivered 37,000 t-shirts to everybody who needed it. It now, wasn't just a This is in a thing. disaster zone. Keep in mind, this, oh, is, yeah. this is not even planned. This is just, you know, we're sending shirts and you don't know it's coming. So right. we had to connect those dots too. So once Drew and Brandon got on the ground... They had to coordinate. Oh, distribution. With, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just, I mean, really, I'm just doing that as I was driving down the road. Sure. To, <laughs> to Florida. Like, like, where's this stuff going to go? Where's yep. enough space? You know, what kind of distribution lanes can you jump into? What other groups can you bring in to help distribute that much? Because three days made well, 37,000 shirts. And you have to plan Boom. that. You have to plan that right. Because you yeah, show up down yeah. there with a tractor trailer load of, of shirts, and, you know, there might be a, a merchant shop show up and be like, hmm, I could sure use a couple pallets of those shirts. But and this was in you know, a full. They need to disaster. go. I mean, right. It, it, I mean, so they had you know Drew and Brandon had you know once they got tied in. Luckily, you know, brand awareness is strong in the police and fire department and all that. You know, where they're part of our family too. And uh, you know, they were giving them red light escorts. You know, through places that people can't go that they had blocked off because it's a, you know it's a disaster area. Yeah. And uh, you know, they were shepherding them through. Um, General Flynn came out and mm -hmm. uh, helped nice. pass out some shirts. We put a picture up. Facebook <laughs> deplatformed me for like months and months and months. You know? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> but no, it, it was like a military operation. It really was. And, you know, that's where Drew is such a strong credit to the foundation. You know, he's an old retired first sergeant here. And, uh, you know, his, his beans and bullets, you know, that's beans what and first bullets and mail. And you know he's, yeah, he's, right. he's very good at it. And he made that happen. So we're very grateful to have Drew. And what's crazy is those people that 
when they got the help from you guys, they're in the worst of worst shape, and that's something they'll remember for the rest of your lives. Absolutely, sure. They're not. I mean, they're not going to remember the the hurricane. They're they're going to remember the people that helped them. Yeah, yeah, and then that wasn't a marketing thing. Or no, no, like it's just that. doing the. It's being a good human. Yeah, that's why most people don't have any idea that we even did it. Yeah, you know. So when you, that, you know, we're, we're impressed at our. Months. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's why they don't know about it too. They deplatformed us. <laughs> that's, that's, no, she couldn't pat her own back. That's very cheap. I guess we're coming on a pipeline soon too. Thanks, guys. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't be long. <laughs> <laughs> worth every second. Do it. <laughs> But, but no, that's that's it's such a inspirational. Like I said, you guys are just being good people, good humans, that's, and doing what's right. Doesn't matter if you're left, right, red, black, that's right. white. Doesn't matter. Yellow. It's pa- just being a good person. Patriotism and, and does not exist in donkeys, and it does not exist in elephants. Amen. Patriotism is something that is so much larger than all of us, and uh, it's something you either feel or you don't. Right. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've I've been asked many times, you know, what party I'm affiliated with, and I just say none. I'm American. That's what it comes down to, and just being good people. Yeah, it's becoming more and more important. You know, I won't even go down that road because you guys just had Boone, <laughs> right? And he he told your audience all about that. But yeah. you know, if you've not, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it because you know uh, we gotta we gotta we have to unplug people from the matrix as best as what we can. And before you can recapture. Uh, the ability to have critical thinking abilities, then if you don't make that effort, you're a drone. You're you're a right. slave to this polarization. You know, and it's hard. You know, it's hard still. You know, I mean, I I watch things. Some stuff comes across the news cycle, and I'm just like, you immediately go nuts. <laughs> Boone said something at our uh, show that you guys attended. You know, a couple weeks ago when we were doing the presentation on five, fifth gen warfare. Um, and I think it's probably the best advice I've ever heard. And if you're listening to this, you know, uh, take this to heart, guys. Um, if you see something across your come across your feed and it gets you wound up, give it 72 hours. And if in 72 hours it's still there and it's still a thing, then share it. Because if you are leaping to that tribal instinct of defend my turf against yep. the enemy tribe and it turns out to be bullshit then the only thing you've done is discredit, you know, that thing that, that you feel passionate about. And, you know, I think Boone calls it like fratricide in right. a sense. And I think he's right. Makes well, sense. There's, there's nothing that drives me more crazy. Well, there's a lot of things that drive me crazy. But it drives me crazy whenever you see these posts on Facebook. And it's an article. And it's, it's clickbait. You know, it's something ridiculous just to grab your attention. And then people immediately share it without even bother reading it. And then, then you, you comment back to them like, did you even read that? Because the title of it has nothing to do with what actually is in that article. Right. You know, and that's that's that really gets back to uh, what Boone talks about, what you guys are talking about now, is uh, wait that 72 hours and yeah. then the do your research. That way. Yeah, you absolutely. Immediately sharing something is exactly what they that's want. What the, that's do. what they want. Is it You're the, just falling into the... Yep. The, the plan that was baked out for you. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. There is an instinct in us. We are so polarized as a society that if you see, the, you know, the other team does anything that's good, well, right. you know, the other team's people that are benefiting from that good thing will attack it. And we saw that with the PACT Act. Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, we were getting beat up on our own social media because we're working with Democrats, Senator 
Kristen Gillibrand. You know, we were working with Chuck Schumer. We were working with Nancy Pelosi. We were working with John Stewart, who too many people in our community, you know, all those people are just, you know, various places in the hierarchies of hell as far as how they look at it. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's like I like to always point out, uh, again, you know, the patriotism doesn't reside in a donkey, doesn't reside in an elephant. But, it, you know, we're political, but we're not partisan. And, and if I can save a life of a veteran by working with uh, a leftist in, in power, I'm going to work with that leftist. If I can save a veteran by working with someone on the far right of, of politics, I'm going to work with those folks. And, you know, um, uh, we're still Americans first. And we are, we are, we are rapidly losing rapidly. The, the grip on that fact. As, as deep it is as political, it's just almost worthwhile saying it's not about, it's not about politics in this situation. Shouldn't be. No. But we are at the point where everything, everything yeah. is about politics. Look at Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, okay, Dylan McVaney's on a beer can. Well, not the best marketing move ever devised, but who cares? Right. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Who cares? I got bigger shit to worry about. Exactly. Than who's on a beer can. Yeah. Do you really want to put all of your effort and your life force into, you know, raising hell about, you know, uh, a, a, a person on a beer can? It's It's weird. Yeah. My effort won't be. Uh, as as outspoken in regards to a situation like that, but I like to speak with my wallet. Well, no, yeah, and no, no, I'm not you know, at all against anyone having that right or expressing yeah, that right. I'm just saying to the point where it's like tearing. You know, if yeah, it's I'm not standing on a, a desk jumping up and down. Yeah, if it's a narrative that is now part of your identity, right? That's a problem. Your 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 inner core, your inner yard, things that matter to you are. Uh, not well defined. Agreed. I'm going to shift over to Operation Song because that also is something that you guys have been doing that is, again, on, speaking on civilian terms, is phenomenal. And you're taking stories from veterans and teaming them up with songwriters, yes. formulating a song out of that story, it's baller. and then getting writer credits for everything. Like, that's amazing. So, well, no, we're yeah. not. No, no, not, not, not you guys, the people yeah. that had the story. Well, the. Operation Song is a nonprofit out of Nashville. Okay. We partner with them. Um, tremendous nonprofit. Check them out at operationsong.org. Uh, but yeah, they do exactly that. They, I mean, they have volunteers that work with that organization that are, you know, award winning songwriters, like the biggest of the biggest kind of stuff. And they will set, if you're a veteran, man, go to, go to uh, operationsong.org and, 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 you know, contact them. They'll they'll listen to you. They'll pair they'll pair you right up with one of these A grade songwriters. They will take your story. They'll craft it into a song. They'll write the music. They'll tell the story the whole night, and then they'll shop it around. Mm -hmm. And if it gets picked up, you get credited as a writer, and you get royalties and stuff for that. <laughs> How cool is that? I saw super cool. I saw the song "Over the Wire." It's sang by Mike Byer. He's That's the mm -hmm. executive director of Operation Song, and and let's listen to the lyrics. Just gives you goosebumps. Like it's just unbelievable. And I love, I love how they really start to talk about how that story was built and a little bit about the veteran before they go ahead and play the song. I mean, right. It's, uh, it, it, it's it hits you. It, it. It's impactful. Yeah, and, and especially hearing it live, you know, where you're literally just looking at this dude who's telling you, you know, about, hey, here's a really cool person who did X, Y, and Z, and all this, and I'm going to tell you a little story about, you know, about that person's life, and then he just starts playing the song, and it's just like. Damn. Right. Like that, that shit hits. Puts things in perspective <laughs> yeah. really quick no, for you. It does. It does. Unbelievable. 
Yeah, it's, it, it's just, it's really, it gives you faith in humanity when you see people like you guys and all these other organizations that you're tied into that are just doing good work. I, I, I'm probably a, a broken record saying this over and over again, but you guys are just doing amazing things for people. Well, we're blessed. I appreciate and, that. and we, I think I, I can't speak for Drew, but I, I lose sight of that, you know, because I'm around it every day. You know, I'm constantly working with people that are in the nonprofit space trying to help veterans. Got one sitting right here, you know. Um, to me, the world is full of them. To people that aren't in my world doing, you know, can, in the yep. amount of contact that we have, it seems a lot more bleak. But I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of damn good Americans doing damn good American shit out there and uh, walking the talk, man. And I also want to point out that the foundation's only been around since 2021. You guys have made this much impact. What's the next ten years going to be? Oh well, well we're, we're it's like it's. I'm excited sooner than <laughs> right. I'm excited to see what's going to happen yeah. next. Yeah, and we've yeah. only gone through a little bit of the stuff we've got our fingers in, man. Well, so. I'm really hoping the Stone Dapes and and the relationship with the foundation can really become very very well because I want to be involved as well. I'm sure I can speak for uh, both gentlemen to my Come right on. and the two to the left. That absolutely. I mean, you're you're changing lives. Yeah. That's what it's about. You're impacting people forever and. In the worst time that they can imagine, here you guys come like a white knight. That's what it's all about. Well, actually, I prefer Calvary. We'll take the Calvary. <laughs> of course. You sound biased. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds very biased, sir. And I never for, heard for, that. And for the listening before. audience, there is a Delta and a Kilo sitting oh, directly yeah. next to each other. And, 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 and part of part of my uh, and neither uh, one matter. <laughs> says the infantry. Guy. Right. <laughs> so last week we talked about veterans, guns, and cigars. Please, yeah. please talk about that and tell me some dates because I am so intrigued on that event too. December second, we got the date locked in today. Details are still being formed. It's going to my calendar. Um, we're going to be down <laughs> at uh, Asymmetric Solutions Compound. Yeah. Some of those guys, Louis. Yeah. And we're gonna. The details aren't all fully worked out, but um, if you're interested in coming and, and shooting guns and, and all that good stuff with, with us and uh, the folks over at Meritorious, who's uh, the lead on this event. Um, you can go to our website. It'll be on the events section as we get more solid information to push along. But right now, it's December second. I don't believe there's a cost for it either. Um, I think it's I think it's free. Yeah, maybe speaking out my ass there. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I mean, you're looking at me. I don't know either. Yeah, so. it's still pretty new, guys. It's still pretty new. But basically, what it is is there's a shooting competition. They do pistol, shotgun, and uh, long rifle, AR-15. And then there's a competition. They pair up veterans, uh, specifically veteran aspiring entrepreneurs, uh, or maybe entrepreneurs that just want to go mingle with other captains of industry within in the in the area. This one's going to be here near St. Louis, so we're going to be trying to gather a good cohort of business leaders from around the city, and uh, we will pair them up with uh, these veterans after the shooting is done, and uh, they'll just have a mentor relationship well you got ceo vp business owner business owner like yeah and i don't i don't think i could participate in that because i actually have roots back down there i was an adjunct instructor for those guys for a while so oh did you leave on bad terms oh no no i didn't but i i, I know what they're going to teach and i know how to shoot oh, the well, way they teach well they're well, not, come on down <laughs> I don't, I, boy that'd be cool if they did teach i don't know if that's part I, of I, yeah it's not probably a part of yeah, it probably not part of we it we should talk after this. yeah, yeah absolutely we should <laughs> talk after good that because that would be i, and I am a veteran business owner so yeah all right. Hmm. We'll build that program even further. But yeah, it's pretty cool, man. If you if you're the if you're the hot shot pistolier for that, I'm that not round, saying that. 
you'll uh, they. Well, you I'm going to be on your team. You win the pistol, right? If you if you win the shotgun portion, you win the shotgun. If you're you know, on the top on the AR, you get the AR platform. So a lot of cool stuff happening. That's exciting. I'm really excited about that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Are you too high? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right. the one that always talks and you're not talking. It makes me nervous. You were leading the conversation. I know. Are you feeling okay, talk? bud? I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so right, let's let's turn the topics. All right, let's get off of work stuff. Uh, what, what 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 do you guys want to talk about? What are we what are we here to do? Uh, we're here to do a lot of things. Well, <laughs> I, I'd actually like to circle back to the very beginning of the conversation. Now, uh, almost an hour ago, um, when you started your journey into these more holistic approaches and getting away from the VA and the and the, the status quo, uh, and you were doing your research, I'm sure a lot of people. Are stymied by that or are stuck um, and can you describe a little bit about how you did that what you found and and why you landed on what you landed yeah um, it was a weird journey uh, I didn't know anything more about it than anybody else uh, I just knew that the chances of me manifesting phantom illnesses was probably not right sure and uh, so I kept pursuing that pursuing that and as I became more and more ill uh, it got pretty bad. You know, I had two surgeries, one on each of my Achilles tendons. I got to the point where I couldn't, uh, like make the flipper, you know, swimming motion with your feet. Had to go upstairs sideways, walk with a cane. Oh, wow. I uh, had a lot of uh, memory issues, a lot of cognitive problems. Um, there was just a lot of bad stuff going on in my life at that time. And, uh, so, uh by coincidence, uh, I ended up being made aware of a neurologist down in Tucson, Arizona named uh, Dr. Carol Henricks. And she was doing a lot of work with veterans in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And I knew that uh, the NFL was uh, mm -hmm. sending a lot of their players that had the post-concussion syndrome, you know, in for hyperbaric uh, therapy. And uh, so, you know, I, I had already gotten to the point where I would get, you know, 12 words into a thought and just blank and I could not tell you what I was talking about. I could not tell you what where I was going with it. I couldn't even tell you what the 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 point of the conversation was. Uh, it's scary, man. When you start losing your thought and your memory, it's 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 terrifying. And so um, you know, I just said, well, let's uh, throw the let's throw the hell mary pass and see what comes of it. And I was able to get in there. Uh, we. Burn Pits 360, uh, you know, we'd started a pilot program through Burn Pits. This was pre-grunt style. And uh, we'd built a program down there. We 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 looked at what the obstacles were. Um, it's, you know, if you were to go in and try to do hyperbaric on your own, um, chiropractors are going to have it. Maybe a functional medicine person is going to have it. The VA does have them, but they won't let you use them. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know they had that. They do. They do. Why won't they let you? Why, why not? It's off-label. Uh, I think it's regulatory. Big pharma controls, you know, kind of that pretty heavy. So be, then, then why have them? Well, they're good for burns, mm -hmm. you know, so they, it regrows soft tissues, what they do exceptionally well. Um, so they're they're primarily used for, like, treating diabetic ulcers and uh, burn victims. Okay. And, well, guess what? Your brain's soft tissue and fat, right? Yeah. So it works on that, too. Um, so uh, I went down, and uh, we, you know, it, but anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, if you were to try to access that on your own, it's going to run somewhere between about $150 to $300 per session. It's expensive. And you're going to need 
through a, a, a powerful chamber, a minimum of four dives. And by powerful, I'm just using that, but it's, it's actually, for those that know something about hyperbaric, it's at least a 2.0 uh, atmospheric pressure, ATA uh, is what they call it, uh, type chamber, big steel dive tank, and you, you know, you, you're you under pressure and you're breathing pure oxygen is the idea. That's how it works. Um, if you're in a bag chamber or a, a home use type chamber, you know, those only go to one and a, uh, or, uh, 1.3. Yeah. 1.3 times atmospheric pressure. And so it's, you got to basically double the protocols, right? So now most of your functional medicine guys or chiropractic guys that you're going to run into are going to have that kind of chamber. So now instead of 40 dives, you're going to need 80 dives. Well, if you're toxic on part of, on top of that, you need to basically double it again. Oh, wow. Right. So, you know, now you're needing like 160 dives or, or whatever. If you're a toxic guy, if you're not, then you, you could do it with, with 80 dives. So it's cost prohibitive. Nobody can access that. So Carol Hendricks has this program down there called North Star Hyperbarics. And uh, the head of nonprofit called Healing Arizona Veterans that was providing the scholarship money for veterans to plug into that. I was one of them. They, they, they sponsored me. I went down there and we rented a house. Because uh, that's the other big financial constraint. Takes a long damn time. Yeah, time. You, you can only do two of these dives at a jump, right? And I needed like over a hundred dives. <laughs> you know, so that's Ooh, that's geez. that's well over a month. You got to unplug from your life for over a month if you're hitting it every single day, right? Twice a day. So you know uh, what we found is a lot of the people that were in that program in in Tucson, um, you know, they do. 10 15 dives and they're just like i don't feel any different yet and so they just stop because it's there it's the guys that come in from out of state and everything they're invested so they're going to go through the whole program right but then again how do you eat how do you pay your bills how do you where do you stay you're going to get a hotel room at 110 bucks a night for 60 days i mean no you're probably not not counting food plus the money you're losing not working and i'm sure insurance doesn't cover all that it's a crazy exactly any of it so we, we just rented a house, and we started bringing veterans in, like, you know, onesies and twosies, and uh, pushing them through this program. And, uh, you know, that, that program, unfortunately, ended up falling apart because, you know, we, there's some unstable characters running around the veteran community, it turns out. And uh, they did some unstable <laughs> veteran things and uh, kind of made it complicated. We had to, had to surrender that house, but uh, that was kind of the end of that program. But uh, what we – it lives on today. Uh, in partnership with Burn Pits 360, uh, Grunt Style, we gave away uh, one of these home-use hyperbaric chambers uh, a month, uh, Ooh, every wow. month to a veteran that had been denied care with hyperbaric access uh, from the VA. So we just said, fine, we'll do it. And That's then awesome. we're going to take that story and we're going to put you on blast and shame you because, like, why aren't you? making access to these things so um that's that's kind of what we're about man so i mean that's that's where the money that people donate to grunt style foundation goes to i mean we're we're not your typical nonprofit. we're we're marching to our own drum it's a pretty weird drum sometimes <laughs> but we're all the time we're not scared of, of too much and we're pretty crazy enough to try just about anything i love it and uh we'll we'll go after what we feel is immediate impact and we will we will try to do the right thing by our veterans and whatever that means and if we got to fight then we're gonna fight someone's got to yeah so exactly. well, i think i think we'll just hit on the 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 tenant of what the foundation is and that is what we want to go after whatever 
works now, whatever fixes people now. We don't we don't care about what's going to happen ten years later because there's ten more years of research as Will already mm -hmm. spoke to. What works now? Because now is when these people need to be uh, need to be saved. That's right. I agree. Right. Yeah, I think the uh, the immediacy action is the important part. We've got to a point where we just need to execute. I think we've been spending too much time and socially, and and we talk about narratives and things like that earlier. But we're spending too much time waiting, and waiting to respond. And we've got to get to a point to where we just start to take charge and execute, find our voice. One thousand percent. And you know, you knew you alluded to that earlier when you're talking about the difference between right and left. I think most people are independent. I think that the way you described yourself is a beautiful way to, that I describe myself. I have some things that I would be considered a liberal on, things that I'd be considered a conservative on. I have a very conservative narrative base at the bottom of all of that that I was just raised around, right? So, but I'm to a point in life to where I will consider each position and then I will take my own depending on what I come to, what I feel is the right answer. And I think that most people are like that. But the problem is, and, and this has been a topic in my life a lot this last week, is because the right and the left are so loud that they've created these very loud narratives that we think we're wrong by disagreeing or by voicing an opinion that wouldn't be going along with what their narrative might be. And I think that that's something that we've got to get out. And maybe what you guys are part of what you're doing right now is, is you're pushing that new voice. Disseminate that information. Come up with your own opinion. Share your own opinion. You need to become loud, too. Because if we don't raise our voice, we're going to get swallowed by this other bullshit. Yep. And this other bullshit leads to nowhere. And that's, it's a trap. It, that in itself, I mean, that is absolutely true. Everything you said is 1,000% correct. But you got to be aware that it's a bear trap, man. Because there is this issue of polarization, mm -hmm. and we're in, in that this fifth gen warfare, how it's designed in concept, makes that which is the solution part of the problem. Absolutely, because right. if you are raising your voice, are you raising your voice through critical analysis of what you feel is the right thing, and you've done your due diligence, and you feel right with it in your gut, or are you cheerleading for your team? Right, right. Which is it? And that's what we have to address, especially within our veteran community. Uh, you know, I'm way more conservative in my value system than I am uh, probably liberal. Um, but, you know, that said, I find myself more and more, you know, uh, in alignment with uh, a lot of, you know, uh, more social action type concepts, I guess, that are there in that political arena. Right. Um, it's, it becomes uncomfortable. So then you're kind of having to measure and weigh what you say you know i mean and that's a problem in the veteran community because so many of us are still riding on that identity of who they were in their time in service yes, for sure and Absolutely. so many of these people are looking at that like well what's that mean to be a veteran well it means they gotta have a big beard right <laughs> I gotta gotta wear my gotta wear my grunt style or my black <laughs> rifle coffee company or whatever you know it is they need to hey look at me i'm a veteran and and then at the same time they got to be boisterous they got to be you know crash humor they got to have you know all the things that make it fun you know all the things we love um and that becomes part of the identity and that plays into the polarization which leads to the tribalism and the tribalism leads to the dehumanization and that's where we are we're in the dehumanization stage yeah, I mean, it's, if you look at what's going on across the country, you know, these nitwits in, in, in different areas of the country burning the cities down and stuff like that, attacking police, attacking first responders, attacking civilians, attacking whoever. Um, why? 
Why are they doing that? Well, because they're being loud and they're giving voice to what they believe, or at least what they think they believe. But how many of those people actually believe that? And how many people are just wanting to have validation of the identity to fit in? I don't know. I mean, it's I, a I valid point. Real. Yeah, it really is. Because said. I, well I, said. Yeah, I think that that's something that I hadn't previously considered. What is that need to fit in? That mm -hmm. need to find identity through someone else, right? Where you always feel that these people were just kind of going with the ebb and flow, not necessarily finding their own identity in it. And that's a different perspective. But that that was pretty brilliant. Hey, you think well, think about when you're in time of service, man. Did you give a shit what color somebody was, what their ethnicity was, what their religion was, what their politics was? Not a bit. You no might way. have had some driving around for eight hours on patrol <laughs> conversations that might have got heated now and then. But you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're still gonna you know lay your life down for that guy because you love him. Mm, absolutely you know? and that's that's where we need to get back to man so the whole country you're, you're an american by god fucking act like it damn right absolutely. Mm -hmm. and we talk about identity too i think that's a huge a huge issue and a huge hurdle that uh, the veteran community uh has to tackle and i think the va is getting better and i think uh as as you as you transition out of active duty back to the civilian life there there are more programs and more voices now talking about that identity because i found in my years of experience that uh the identity of the military is not necessarily in line with the identity of the civilian world and i think that's a big problem that veterans have is that transitional period of the dark humor and the things that we do and the way that we lived our lives for years and years um when that hat comes off and you're wearing you know work clothes or a suit and tie or whatever it is back in the civilian world it's a totally, totally different world. The shit that we could get away with in the military, <laughs> it ain't going. Cancel yep. culture don't exist anywhere nope. on the civilian side. Well, it, and that was a big transition for me too, because I went from you know twenty two years military service. Now, mind you, a little bit, a lot of that was on the reserve side, so I was able to see both sides of the house. So it wasn't nearly as hard of a transition for me, but I saw it in my dad. Uh, my dad was a twenty six year retired sergeant major tours to nam and blah 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 and you know 11 bravo and he was a hard-hitting man uh when he retired like i saw the difference and i saw the struggle that man had uh and it always stuck with me and as i transitioned through the military into civilian life and back and forth between them i always i could identify where these veterans were really having a hard time and most of it was on that transition time because mm -hmm. the things that they could do with the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the camaraderie that they had in the service doesn't exist in the civilian world. It just doesn't exist. Um, I think any veteran out there listening, just understand that it's not just you, bud. Like everybody goes through it. And the 22 a day and all these things that we're talking about, these are all, these are all tools that we can use. Absolutely. Better, better yep. ourselves and make sure that we don't fall victim to that. Yeah, you got to keep all of that in mind, man. It's it's healthy to keep that at the front of your mind. Absolutely. As, as you're trying to figure out who you are post-service. I mean, when you're in, you know, you're you're bemoaning the fact that you're <laughs> there. And then you're looking forward to getting out. And then when you do, you know, it's that grass is always greener That's thing, right. right? You get there and you're like, oh, this sucks. You know, it's like, I, who do I relate with? Yep. You know, do I relate with my spouse that has no concept of what you know uh, the, 
what's running around in your head yeah. or the, might not even really know who you are because of deployments right? and all the time away or they or they don't know. a good point i mean i didn't know my dad i mean i i was i didn't know my dad until he really retired mm-hmm. you know i was 17 18 years old before i actually knew who he was he was never around deployments on deployments and activations and careers and this is and that's i didn't know the man did not know him so I had a, at 17, 18 years old, I had to establish a new relationship with my father mm-hmm. because I knew him as a military man, not as a civilian. And whenever he was home, it was something totally different. Yeah, you carry all aspects of life are like that, right? Of course. We, we all have masks that we wear. We wear masks when we're at work, and that's one version of ourselves. Of course. And then we have masks that we wear with your spouse, and that's a version of yourself. And then you have masks that you wear when you're with your friends, and you end up doing dumb shit like Donald Trump did with Bill Bush on that. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, those those are the masks. You know, which what's what's really behind it? You know, is there anything behind it? Is it just another mask? Right. You know, and I, I think it is. I think it's another mask that you tell yourself, and that's why we try so hard to try to create identity to explain who we are. Absolutely. And that's what causes so much problem is unless you're really willing to go into vulnerable spaces, which is what psychedelics does so well. There you go. It lets you pull off that mask and figure out what's under it. Is it another is it another mask that's in there that you need to pull that one off and you just keep going down until you find the, the truth? You know, mm. that's that to me is uh, the beauty of psychedelics. And that's why it's a spiritual thing for me. It's not just science. It's it's done so much in my life to allow me to come to those realizations. And, you know, I'm a wildly different person today than who I was before I started down that journey. I can imagine. And yeah. it took a long time, you know, to grow comfortable in this new skin, you know, that, that I found that's there. But tell you what, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. There you go. You know, well, I think the most important thing that you brought up there and that I really related to is the new identity, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I, I think we've talked about a personal development a lot, but if I was to really like break down a theme for the last three years of my personal development, it was I formed a new identity. I kind of finally defined who it was that I am. You know, I, I looked at all of my traits and quit comparing them or judging them. A lot of times, you know, we'd have stereotypes of certain things that we don't like. And lo and behold, we possess that, right? And so then we like want to self-reject and push in a way and try to reshape ourselves in different things that aren't authentic to us. And so what I found is in the last three years, as I became more honest with myself, about who I was, my behaviors, my traits, the things that have been ingrained upon me through my experiences, the easier it was for me to, to narrate that and to go, accept this, change that, modify this here, but let's keep this central theme. And then eventually I kind of found myself and I found my identity. And when I found my identity now in that journey, I didn't have to cling to these identities that I had other places because they no longer defined me anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like my hat became a singular hat. I just wear this hat into everything now. And it became my identity of who I am. And so I think that's been, that was, I don't know, that's what your portion of your message spoke to me. Is, is it was like, oh, that's kind of what I did. I found my new identity. Yeah, and it, you know, I went through that, and I, I created new masks when I was trying to, to find it. You know, I, I created a whole new one of what I thought it should be. And then that caused problems. Yeah, it's like, you know, when I when I for, no, serious man, when I when I started, you know, when you start getting into like the psychedelic space and stuff like that, you're like, eh, it's a bunch of fucking communist hippies running around in here, you know. Everybody's an Antifa member. Like, I don't feel like I fit in. <laughs> Paranoid. And, and, and so, as you get to know these people, you're like, man, these are beautiful people. Like, they are 
way more kind and caring and all this other stuff. Yeah, their politics is all fucked up, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And then you start looking at, well, maybe my politics fucked up. Maybe I need, you know, <laughs> you start meeting these people. Self-reflection. Yeah, that I, I wanted to be. There's a guy named Dirk that's that's uh, <laughs> uh, just a hero of mine. He's a guy who lives in St. Louis. And uh, when I met him, uh, I'd never met anybody like him, like ever. He's I, I grew up in the Army, man. You never <laughs> run into anybody that's like love and wanted to give you hugs and all this kind of stuff all the time and talk about love and you know all these things <laughs> and i thought uh, okay you know that's that's a new one i'm not sure how to take that and then as you watch him you're like dude i want an ounce of what that guy's got just give me an ounce of of whatever it is this dude's on that or, or part how he's incorporated in his life and so i started aspiring to be that guy and man i i just like my personal development just went light speed ahead as you know, those things started connecting me, and I'm learning new things. I'm learning new, you know, new new ideas and and, and ways to look at life and, and all this stuff. And then I got into this point where I'm like, well, you know, I felt like those people that were in that gate when this where we get back into tribalism and polarization. I was still the weird veteran guy, <laughs> you know. So I'm all the stereotypes. As, as I'm over here stereotyping them, they're over here stereotyping me. Oh, of course, you know. And so I thought, well, I need to kill that. I need to kill that. That who who i think i was right i need to put that to bed and i not i need to bury it need to destroy it i need to you know need to be this other thing and then it all came back full circle to where it's like no you know you, this is who you are and Own this it. is this is this is where you've been and these experiences shaped you into who you are right and where you're going yeah find the beauty mm -hmm. in that and then still integrate all these great lessons that you're learning from all these amazing people and be the best version of you. And if that's a little bit of salty, irreverent humor that makes people cringe, <laughs> okay, deal with it. That's who I am, man. Love but it makes sense. Well, I think it, yeah. and it preaches to why you should never judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Right? And and you know, and I, I challenge people with that all the time, and especially myself. Like we all have biases and things that we grew up with or whatever. But I force myself in uncomfortable situations all the time against someone that I may potentially reject. Because I'll challenge myself with like, what can I find about this person that I would like? You know, what can I challenge myself to, to look past this bias and see something different, right? And so that's really helped explode my world. Because what you realize is you find out that we're more alike than we like to think we are. Absolutely. You know, we may have these glaring differences on the outside. But once you get past all of that, and you get out of those tribal camps and the polarization of it everybody is relatively the same we're, we're all just trying to be good people that's the message we got to spread man because again going back to boone you know uh, i'm a big fan of boone i'm a big fan of his message we are in the dehumanization stage right now mm -hmm. and you know it's like well are we really though are we really man just look back a couple of weeks ago you had those kids in new york uh, rioting over video game stuff i mean they're like literally hurting people in serious ways over what nothing over what you know and then you're seeing that more and more and then in and all this society starting to unravel here and there you know this uh apparently theft is legal now shoplifting right. is legal now in areas of the country <laughs> and you know it you're that's what it looks like man and and you know I, I i tell people this all the time i've got a lot of friends that are patriots and didn't serve and 
hadn't been overseas, and they have this, you're like, oh, I think there's a civil war coming, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, man, I kind of think we're maybe already in the year three of the civil war is what I think. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, I was in a civil war. I went, I deployed to Iraq in the surge. You know, yep. that was a straight up civil war that was going hard, loud, and strong at that point. And it wasn't regimental units lining up on a battlefield coming to each other. It was Jesh Almaty coming through and doing the old gangster mafia mob stuff of like, hey, Mr. Shop Owner, it'd be a real shame if your store burned down. <laughs> you know, why don't you give me some money? Uh, and then mega violence, you know, just over the, they're not of my tribe or whatever kind of stuff. A lot of parallels there. We're starting to see it. Well, and there's recent events that I think really highlight that is you see um, the the Trump polarization would be a big one, especially between non-Trump supporters, Trump supporters. Then attached to that, it kind of in a way you had the Black Lives Movement the, the situation with the BLM and the, and how a lot of groups perceive that, right, whether one side or versus the other, right? And then you uh, you get back a little bit further than that, so you have – um, oh, I lost my... Don't forget about Antifa. No, well, Antifa would be part of that, right. But there was a third one that I was going to add to that. Uh, the Trump to be oh, COVID, right? The non-vax versus the vax. Yeah. And all three of those yeah. situations came dangerously close, dangerously close to erupting into major violence. And there was so much dehumanization in that. It didn't matter what side of the fence you were on. You viewed the other side of the fence as non-human. Look, yep. it, it, and it was scary if you weren't in the battle. Like I was really independent, in, like all of these things. So it just, I didn't really have any like horse in the race, so to speak. And to see the polarization from each side from an independent stance, well, yeah. it was scary. What's, yeah. It was very to scary. What you're saying there, Rep, too, is think about this: uh, the, we've already gone through round one of the COVID and the polarization and the tribalization of that. We've already seen it. So round two, I don't think is going to be nearly as pretty. It's already here. I mean, I, I, the hardcore round two of it's just starting. mandates yeah. and masks and shots again. I don't think round two is going to be nearly as pretty. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, it's hard to imagine it being worse. You know, like, I, I won't well, say who it was, but I had but someone. But, Will, if, if we're in the dehumanization stage now, what's next? Well, I, I think a lot of people aren't likely to go along with as much. I sure hope so. Right. But I, mean, like I, said, uh, I won't say who it was, but I had someone very, very close to me that uh, did not get the vaccine mm -hmm. and their family just shamed them yes. ostracized mm -hmm. them yes. you are not allowed you're not welcome at this it family gathering families. and it wasn't like you know, maybe in their mind it was like a health conscious kind of a thing but how it was executed was like <laughs> right, right. it was pretty clear man yeah. you know like you're gonna pay and you know the, and if you only repent and come over to the other side well then you're you're kind of back in good graces like, that's family that's doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that doesn't open up the conversation for any type of independent thought. That right. doesn't, it doesn't allow for intelligent conversation. Doesn't. doesn't allow for any critical thinking or growth. Nope. You know, that's a dangerous space to be in. It really is. It, you can't allow that. But, you know, I, I kind of look at things a little bit more positive than, like, what you were looking at. It. I, I think that we're, because of Boone's message, because of the timing of it, because of the state of the country and where we are socially, and we're already starting to get that natural pushback, I think being able to teach people how to disseminate information, how to find accurate information, 
avoid the polarization and educate people through this process with you know the creating like the section eight right and doing the individual communities and, and stopping that effort i actually don't think that round two is going to be as bad as round right. one i think that we are going to have a lot more pushback and we're going to have much more voice in this one and we're going to say no and we're going to start disseminating our own information and, and creating our little subcultures that's going to start to have pushback that's my that's my belief I hope that's true, man. Me too. I, very I, much I hope it never even too. gets to that point. Let's hope this all pulls back away from the cliff's edge. Because, I mean, that's, dude, I don't want to go through COVID stuff again. And that was brutal. No. Don't want to go through any of that again. I don't, don't want to go through any of that plus. Yeah. It, you know, all I mean, the other stuff and even in the movements, you know, I, I, I'm so over the, the race war pushing and 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 whatever that is right that 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 created terrible narrative you know i'm so tired of all of that and all that uh you know real i guess tired of the hate of it all yeah that's hate. it you know the hate of it all that everything is so hate and i just kind of like wash my hands of that we I, talked about it that. we talked about it last week just the fact that all of the hatred all of the anger all of the rage specifically talked about the fact that with veterans that are struggling massively already trying to find their way through all the shit that they dealt with in combat and then you start coupling all of this level of stress i mean it's no wonder the numbers are still as high as they are we're still at 22 or higher it, it's it's no wonder i mean i i was in a state of rage as of like six months ago like just pure rage because i didn't know what to do with all of the negative energy that was around us and, that, and it's been non-stop that is fifth gen warfare man mm -hmm. yeah they're yeah. messing with our minds yeah and it's you know again that's you know you know psychedelics is not the answer for all things but uh, a good number of them turns out it is uh, <laughs> these conversations these conversations are good for it though it, yeah absolutely it, if, if you can if you can set with whatever the modality of it, it's, it's equine therapy it's if it's dogs if it's turning a wrench on a car if that can pull you back to center and you can breathe do it. And you can figure out who that man under the mask is. That's a wonderful thing. And, you know, yeah. uh, I, I, I am an advocate of, of the psychedelic modality because, you know, you can achieve that progress down that road a lot faster than absent it. But it's not for everybody. But, uh, I, man, the world would be a damn cool place if everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that you just said, though, There's it, it's, it doesn't matter if it's equine therapy or dogs or the psychedelic route. It, we're all in this fight together and the more veterans that start getting involved and the more organizations that start getting involved that just have that pure it's that one simple mission right like obviously you know with 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 us and the dogs but it's it comes down to let's help humans let's Absolutely. help the, let's help the, the veterans be a good right. it's that simple well it, it's like what that's drew, what we're all trying to do it's what drew said earlier it's do whatever works right now now yeah and what is the goal the goal is healing the goal is to get people to a good space to get to a people of love joy peace happiness you know where they're where they're producing in the world so you, you guys saw a little bit of it is this our this is our next other well one of our many things that we're involved in but uh drew why don't you, why don't you, why don't you tell everybody about uh, the triangular compass well you you do a much better job of uh, articulating it than i probably okay could. Well, you work for me so you do. <laughs> damn fair enough <laughs> okay all right, all right. So, 
the, the, the triangular cup, and that's how that goes. Holy folks. shit! <laughs> I think your lips yeah. bleeding. Do you feel that bump, bump and, where he uh, drove that bus? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll drive back over me again just to reverse, just to go back no, I mean, over. I, 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 Drew, Drew doesn't like being in the public light, man. Yeah, so man. I, I've got to keep cracking that shit. Yeah, that's that's. Know? I knew exactly what he was doing when he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, the triangle compass. I mean, you guys sat on a portion of it, so you know that was the that was the mind portion, you know, and uh, the, you know, it's a it's a mind, uh, body, spirit, mindset, right? If you can kind of envision a, a compass, right, and it's got three points on it going in three different cardinal directions, you know, uh, one of them is towards mind, one towards body, one towards spirit. Well, obviously, you know, the way that we kind of went after this for the mind portion is, you know, you, you got to get your mind right before you can begin to work on on this journey, you know, of, of self-healing and self-correction. Um, so, you know, so we that was the portion that you guys got to see. It was mm -hmm. the fifth gen warfare. It's let's unplug you from the Matrix and, and then we can begin, you know, when, once you can see it for what it is then we could start to work on other modalities. So that moves into the body side of things. And the, the, the body side could be everything that Will just spoke through. It's, it's equine therapy. It's turning wrenches on cars. It's training service dogs. It's uh, getting a service dog. It's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it happens to connect for you. And I'll, I'll share a little bit about mine. Uh, you know, I was, I was a big PTSD guy. Um, and when I was really, really struggling with it, you know, all of the things that you do every single day where you're constantly looking for your exits, where are my threats, you know, how can I eliminate all that, you know, all that stuff just drives you bananas all the time. Well, then I jumped on a motorcycle and as I'm zipping around through traffic and all this, all of those things that I'm doing are now a huge positive. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps you alive on that motorcycle. I got to know that that Honda in front of me is probably going to come into my lane you know, and I've noticed that they've done it a couple of times without a blinker. So now I need to be paying attention to that. So it was the only place on earth that I could go to where I didn't feel like a complete fucking freak. <laughs> I never where, heard anyone uh, explain it that way. I'm, yeah, I'm that's a fantastic. But, but that's that's the really cool way of doing this. Is that's what worked for me. That's what worked for me. You know, uh, the, the exact same effect can end up uh, happening for any of you guys for any number of different things. So that's what body is, is meant to encompass. It's Identify like you, that thing. It's almost like you have a skill or a talent that is going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quotate this, going to waste, but then you find a new purpose for that talent or skill. Right. And you can implement it and just get this. I don't know if it's a rush or just that satisfaction of doing that again and being meaningful while you're on that motorcycle. You could literally die right now. Well, I, I think you're three quarters there because I don't think you know that you have this skill mm -hmm. until you identify the place where, oh, wow, look at that. All the things that I do that drive me bananas is a skill in this one particular thing or way or mm -hmm. activity or whatever the case may be. So that connection, that understanding is, is really the, that's the push of it. Like, oh, wow. You know, this is this is actually something beneficial instead of something that just drives me bananas. And it may not even have to tie into a skill set necessarily. No, you may find something that resonates with you. The whole idea behind the triangular compass is again a rejection of the modalities that we have as the status quo. It is, you know, let's do a mind body spirit approach, and those things need to be in balance. And maybe your thing is dogs, you know, emotional support animals. I mean, they bring a lot to the lives of the men and women that have them. Maybe it's equine therapy. Maybe that something about just caring for another being 
and you know uh, just that interaction with that animal maybe it's turning wrenches on a car it puts you in a place of zen you know maybe it's whatever right it's a buffet of, of options and there's all these nonprofits out there that are putting forward their best step on what they think you know is is a, is a good offering and so the the whole idea of the triangular compass is we want to highlight those groups we want to highlight those programs and then we want to expose our audience to them sure so that they can then engage for themselves bring them here yeah be happy yeah. to, to help them push out their statement yeah. or their vision or values. And I do want to compliment Drew because I was being funny before I was trying to be funny. <laughs> no, uh, you I, weren't. I, I had, no, I absolutely wasn't. I got to tell you, man. I got to tell you, Drew, uh, I've known Drew two and a half years, maybe. Uh, now, I, don't, maybe. I don't know. It's about like that. But time flies when you have having fun. In, in that time period, now, Drew's become so much more than a, than a co-worker. I mean, we live together. We work together. We're, it's like we're on a, like an extended deployment. That's exactly what it feels what it like. Drew's, we just work constantly. Yeah. Drew's my best friend. I mean, he's, he's I'd, I'd die for the guy. Uh, we're, uh, he's just so much you know, that he's brought, not just to my work life, but just to my life. Right. And, you know, that's something I've been missing because I... I I'm a busy guy. I've been I've been hard charging for over a decade now, trying to you know tilt the, these windmills. Mm-hmm. You know, a quick Google search confirms that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so having having a guy that's right there with you every step along the way, and you know he was much more advanced you know in his career in the military than I was. I mean, he's he's GI Joe man. He's got all the bells and whistles: Ranger Tab, Pathfinder, <laughs> Airborne, Jumpmaster, Eighty Second Airborne. He was. Member of the old guard, you know what I mean? It's, it's always like, the quiet ones. I just want to make sure Drew gets his due here. I want everybody on listening yeah. to know just you know what high esteem that I hold you in. Man. Well, thank you, brother. And uh, obviously that goes both ways. I mean, you're, you're, you're an awesome person that has been dropped into my world, and that's fantastic. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Everything but happens best, for a reason. Yeah, but the best part about you spending a moment to say nice things about me is now i get to punt the pump the ball well, so i don't have to keep going into spirit so i found a cool way to do that and the way i'm going to do that is i'm going to throw it back to you reverend so now you have seen the body you were a part of that taping you've heard us talk about it you just heard me talk about the body side of it how do you think that the spirit ties into all of this based off of those the, I mean, you're a theological mind. I'd love to. How do the spiritize into the body? Uh, just, just uh, the why, modality. Yeah, why you need to have a spiritual path, you know, as a part of one of those three legs of the compass. Okay, so, well, let me let me frame this the best way that I think I I can come up with at this point, and hopefully I'm answering the question that you want me to be answering, but. Whether you believe it as far as just material science, the healing power of the mind, or if you believe that it is essentially your conscious soul, right, or your conscious energy that's mapping that, either way, the, 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 there's enough evidence to suggest that, um, you know, even through placebo groups, that we have the ability to heal ourselves and to create physical change. I happen to believe in manifestation. I believe that we're all part of a greater energy source. It's my personal belief. So because I believe that we're part of this great energy source, I actually believe that I can talk things into existence, right? I believe that we all have the power to do that. So when I look at it spiritually, I realize that I am using my energy force 
I am narrating that, I'm speaking that into existence to manifest the changes that I'm looking for. And in and of itself, I will change. I will change physically, I will change mentally, I will change spiritually, I will grow. And so far, there's enough evidence in my life to suggest that when you change enough on the inside, your outside will physically change. I've had some pretty major physical transformations in the last three years to the point that a lot of people that could walk by me right now that haven't seen me in two years wouldn't recognize me. You know, I've grown an inch unexplainably out of nowhere. Huh. I grew an inch at 41 years old. <laughs> <laughs> like like he, all of you, or are you just trying to pretend you're a part of you? His dick's still small. Don't let him tell you. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to talk about the fraction of Filipino here. That's not girth he's talking about. about. <laughs> For the sake of argument, all of me. Right. Sounds weird. Okay. Okay. All, right. all of me. In totality. In totality. <laughs> Grossness. Anyway, so, but uh, I, I have manifested some serious physical changes, but I do believe that's a result of my spiritual growth. And I believe that my spiritual growth will continue to manifest things in the physical reality, whether that's personal healing or physical healing, whether that's healing of someone else. Um, but my beliefs may be a little bit more extreme than most. You know, I may be more on the liberal end of that. Um, I tie all the way down to, you know, the, the biblical idea of uh, gifts or purposes, like what, what the captain was talking about. I feel like and, in, and you can even look at the material science argument. There's three different ways. One, you can believe that there are gifts endowed on you by God. Two, you can believe that there are energetical, spiritual gifts that are laid into our DNA, right? Or you can just believe that there are habitual traits that are laid within our DNA that gets passed down. It doesn't really matter. The point is, all the same things happen. We all have these internal drives to do certain things. And whether we like it or not, they're core parts of who we are, right? You know, I will always be a talker. I'm not going to turn that off, right? So I've always over-talked in every situation my entire life. <laughs> so Fact. why not find a place to talk? Well, a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so I found a stage for that. So that fulfills me. That you could say that's fulfilling my spiritual purpose, which would, could be true. You could say it's just fulfilling my physical purpose, which could absolutely be true. Either way, I'm experiencing spiritual growth and purpose in the fulfillment of this activity. So I believe it's all in the one and the same. It, I don't really need to know the, the facts of what's real, what's not real. All I need to know is the direction and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, and I don't, I don't think that it makes any difference which bucket it falls into, whether it's spiritual or body. You, you made work. It could, it could live in either one of those. And maybe for your particular compass, it's only, there's only two headings because two of those headings are the same heading because that's, that's where you landed. Right. So I think that's really awesome, and uh, I couldn't have put it anywhere near that well, so thank you. <laughs> well, you thought that was well, so thank you. I'm yeah. <laughs> Dodge that bullet. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I think, too, explaining that the, the, the belief in a deity, a god, is not necessarily spiritual either. Spirit, spirit, spirit whoa. Spiritual. Use your tongue. Use your tongue. Let it roll. There you there go. You go. My Use tongue didn't grow an inch, by the way. <laughs> I find it hilarious that uh, you guys are the Stoned Apes podcast, and you got one dude that smokes weed. <laughs> but I think your context—it's weird, right? <laughs> okay. 
you know, it's a relative term. But I, <laughs> but I smoke at least term. enough weed for two people. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm good. Yeah. This, I'm is, good. this is what you need to know. Is that <laughs> sorry to derail you, but oh, that's no, just the no, thought no, that came to mind. It's like this. Don't be sorry. I love that. Well, so God, spirituality is you know a deity belief doesn't not necessarily mean spirituality. So I just want to make sure everybody kind of understands that too. You're not in one camp. You know, when you say the word spirituality, a lot of people quickly identify as, as a deity and God, Catholics, you know, Methodists, so on and so forth. Organized religion. Organized religion, correct. It doesn't necessarily have to be there. And I think proof of that is in the entire compass. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Well, Mind, I mean, body, spirit. That's what it's about. Yeah. And spirituality, much to your point, can take a ton of different forms. I mean, we've had a bunch of different conversations about psychedelic modalities that could totally fit inside of that bucket. Mm-hmm. So it's not just as simple as what God do you believe in? Yeah. Well, right. and I, and I think know? that's a great example of how to show a little bit of depolarization. Right. Because there is a way, you know, everything that we try to build on religion ends up further separating it. But if you go the other direction, if you just get rid of all of it and you just let all those little pieces go and you just get down to the core of it, just the spirituality of it. Yeah. Find common. It's all the same thing. So I don't care if you're a Bible believing Christian, as long as you're heading on the same path that I'm on or whether you believe in the Quran or whether you believe in Buddha. Look, we all realize that that spiritual path, that core of it is the same for everyone. So if that's your guiding light for you to live that spiritual life that you were destined to live, then good for you. It's all a journey and experience. Yeah, all more power to you. You know, we don't have to hate. We don't have to separate ourselves from anyone else. We can just accept what they're doing and have respect for them in their space. And then we just keep doing us. Be a good human. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It is. Music is hardcore spiritual. Yeah. We experienced that last week. Yeah. I mean... We had Jacob Bryan here, and you know, and he's got some stuff going on, and you can feel that through his music. Yeah. And what's crazy is, during the time that he was playing here for us, I forgot all about my stuff going on. You know, yeah. and, and that's impactful. Mm-hmm. That's that's therapeutic. That's yeah. that's unbelievable. That's a that's a skill or a talent that I can't even put into words on how helpful something like that is. Just to forget about your day to day for. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Even if it's not making you forget about it, maybe it's giving voice to it. Right. You know, like the, uh, it's this guy that was the big internet sensation here last couple weeks, the, uh, Oliver Anthony. Yeah. Richmond of a nurseman. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many people connected with that? Millions. That didn't know that's what it was they were trying to express. Yep. Yep. That's spiritual. Words to feel. He's got three songs in the top 10 right now. Yeah. And he's just some hillbilly that plays a banjo down south. Hey, man. But he's got a good story, and people want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Exactly. Good for him. Sometimes it's those simple messages delivered in simple ways that give power and you know, voice to things that you can't, you know, the most uh, learned of men could yeah. not put into words. Well, Tells you a lot about the pulse of our country right now. Yeah, the lyrics. That so many people exactly. come, that it speaks to that many people. Tells you a lot about what we need right now, yeah. what our souls need. Yeah, one thousand percent. It's good music. Absolutely. I, I grew up in the Ozarks, so I'm like one of those weird guys that likes bluegrass and yeah, all of that. For sure. Not a lot of people, you know, really get into that, but I think it's good music. I listen. Bluegrass to stuff is my amazing. Kids are listening yeah. to. I'm just like, yeah. what, what is that? <laughs> I think it's the best yeah. part of going down there or going to Nashville. You know, mm-hmm. just finding the random 
dude that's playing or female on the corner that is and nobody but the music they're playing is just like good lord yeah. this cuts through you yeah like blues, last week blues when, clubs and all that yeah, yeah. see i believe there. i believe music is spiritual though it is like, oh, i think the sound oh. is the source of creation it's an elevation I, yeah. I agree to that because like something when he played for us last week there was just something different about that performance and i don't know if it was just his emotions but JB put on the best live performance that I've ever experienced in my entire life. And I'm a music freak. Like, it was amazing. And I, I hope he just keeps doing what he's doing because he's going to make many, many people. It just It's therapeutic for me. I can only imagine what it does for everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely moving. It, yeah. It was, it was an incredible performance and probably the best that I've ever seen as far as something with just an acoustic guitar. Right. No, no vocals, no nothing. Just going to sit on And the sound was so yep. incredible. It was just so it organic. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was like listening to his, his CD. Mm -hmm. I mean, it would, there was no difference. I think he's and better live yeah, than he is. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Such a cool dude. But it was moving. But you know, that's the same reason why I have such a drive to want to learn to make music. I believe there's something spiritual in it. <clears throat> That's why I want, I want, I have that drive so much to want to learn to create music because I feel like you can actually create something. You can manifest that thing into the world. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing. But, uh, you know, I also believe that that's what the ancients have been doing for all this time, too. So, you know, all that ancient tribal music, there's a reason why it was so repetitive and so drawing. Mm -hmm. It's been a long so time. So emotional. That's why, that's why the phrase, you know, it hits has yeah. become so popular. If you uh, it hits, it, you literally feel it, like it it stirs your soul. You feel it in your body, like you know that's you know the song uh, "Save My Soul" yeah. that uh, Jacob has. Whew. I mean, it hit. Like I, I listened to it. I've listened to it probably fifty times now. Yeah, it just hits. So, how many of you guys are going to the Highland concert in St. Louis coming up? I am, sir. Bam. Yeah. Every, everybody going? I'm not. You're not? Why not? I don't even know what it is. We, we got to talk okay. about this. That's okay. The wife and I are going Let me get everyone. Sure. I, it's like I just introduced them to running water, the looks I'm getting from all these dudes right now. <laughs> hey, man, Jesus uh, Christ. You need to get your guy in line. <laughs> Dude, I know. He embarrasses me This guy's really hey, busy right now, guys. Hey, I'm sorry. We, we, keep, <laughs> we keep him around for obvious reasons. But, but that's talk, but stuff. talking about spirituality and music. You know, literally, not, not, not a lot of people know that. And most people don't even know what the hell Highland is. It's like a, I don't know the way you explain it. It's like a druid, warlock, it's, witch. It's, Scottish it's Germanic, Nordic folk music, right? I so love like, all music, so you're not gonna upset me by introducing me to yeah. anything. I'm probably, I probably have that music on my phone, on my playlist, and don't even know it. It's the coolest no, you stuff. Don't. You can go from Bach to Elvis to Rob Zombie <laughs> yeah, to yep. whatever it's to Jacob different. Bryant, you know. And it's like this is for well, fucking diverse. What, what, what I was asking was it's their whole concert isn't a concert it's a ceremony and they bill it as such yeah it's it's like they they understand the gravity of so the let me let me tell you the best part of this yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna steal his thunder and then i'm gonna make fun of myself because nerd i, <laughs> I found out about highland because i started listening to this uh, uh musician called ivor and um, uh, Chuckle Bolin was a song of hers, and I really liked it. And, you know, that kind of drew me into that music. And when the first time I heard Heilung, I was like, this is some witch shit. Like, this is really <laughs> fucking, like, this is the real shit. It's like yeah. some scene queen like, shit? No, no, no. Like, this is like some, like, straight up, like, ancient 
druid it's ritual heathenry. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm intrigued. Shit. Keep okay. going. So, but I didn't know that. I just assumed it, you know. And so here I am, you know. I'll be outside. We'll be having fires or whatever. I'll be blasting this stuff in the backyard. Your neighbor's got to love you. I'm I'm laughing, you know, because I'm like <laughs> one day it's something terrible. Well, then I find out. Meet Will. <laughs> and then I find Someday, out last week that this is <laughs> this is a whole ceremony that this is actual all the way down to like ruins that are carved in ancient sacred places like directly read from the ruins onto the song i'm playing this shit unscripted in my backyard like an asshole and then i think i did something cool because i got the tickets to the concert and so then when they showed up last week and he was like is whose mannequin is that and you know i was like well that's my ren fair outfit and he starts telling me he's like well we're going to high lung and he was like wait we're doing what and i was like hell yeah we are <laughs> but what's what's really funny though too just to just to insert a piece of humor is right next to your Renfair outfit is a statue of Halo. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Master Chief represents, son. I'm a I, Halo fanatic. First time I walked in, I saw that. I was like, huh. I never would have thought those two things together. I don't play. Day. Yeah, I, I don't play any video games but Halo. <laughs> And then uh, I played Halo pretty aggressively and competitively up until about the time my son was 12. And then uh, after he embarrassed me one too many times, and him and all of his equally talented 13-year-old friends in the world, <laughs> like, I, hung up, I hung up my Halo gloves and <laughs> said, uh, fuck this game. See, I, I threaten my kids when they when they get really good at a game, I'm going to break out the N64 and go old school, like 007, or break out the you know, regular Nintendo. I knew I was like, in trouble. I knew I was in trouble when my, my son was probably nine. We were playing this Scooby-Doo game together, and we uh, got to this one level, and I couldn't figure out out what to do you know me and him are playing and he's getting mad at me and he's going dad when the screen does this and when this you see this and when this over here happens this is then we need to go do this so he had already patterned the framework of the game and how the game worked and knew what to do based on how the game was behaving. Critical thinking. And I realized, well, I'm an idiot. I, I just see Rev sitting on the couch <laughs> going, oh, Raggy. Oh, Raggy. Yeah. And he's going to go, I'm way too high for this it right was, now. <laughs> These kids are trained. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, These my skill goodness. sets yeah. that we never had. Nope. Yeah. And I watch these video games. I watch the kids play video games. I got six boys. Ooh, Jesus, son. Geez. Right. Oh, Can't pull funny. yourself out of a parking boys. lot. My I, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got, I got, I got, Four four boys from my first marriage, and I've got two stepsons. And uh, my 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 four oldest boys are all out of school, and I've got a senior, and I've got an eighth grader this year. And uh, you know they they're up on all that stuff, man. I mean, and you know they they'll watch YouTube videos of other kids playing yeah. video games, and I'm just like, what? You know, I it's alien. I don't understand it. But uh, I watch these games they play, way different than. Excite bike and oh, uh, yeah. you know duck hunt and all that fall. stuff. I was oh, yeah. There's no little dog laughing you? at you when you miss. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to play that, and it looks so cool, and I, I get it, and it does not hold my attention. I cannot make myself play. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll have fun with it for a couple hours maybe, and then it's done. I could see you being a fan of the the storyline on Black Ops, like like the old like I say old school PS4, PS3 Black Ops, where it actually has a storyline objectives to meet and you have to go through it. Not that complete yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, right. Not I, not the player versus player, like the actual storyline of I the actual game. I, I think love you would that. Like that. I was a total gamer nerd in high school. I did the Dungeons and Dragons scene. I love role playing games, all that kind of stuff. Like, Thanks for children. That was explains so, Joe. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> it's all so, clear. That that always that always spoke to me. So that part of video games carried over into adult life you know I, I i can't appreciate that but just 
sitting down and, and having the patience to go through that. I don't get it. I think these kids have been conditioned in a, in a way that we're not. Conditioned. Yeah, we, we discussed that at the at the event whenever we were on the panel. And my, my only comment literally revolved around children and game times and phones and things of that nature. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. It's ironic that this came up because my, my six-year-old came up to me yesterday and was like, hey, Dale, can I get my, my tablet? And I said, no, honey, you know we don't do tablets during the week. You only get X amount of screen time. Uh, I'm, I'm using the words. Um, and she's like, well, that's no fun. All my other friends are doing it. You know, and, and we have to have that discussion. Now we're having it more and more and more. I don't want to be that... Uh, <sighs> I don't want to be that guy that's just giving the kid the tablet to go away and, you know, get out of my hair. You know, she's like, well, I, I like doing it. I want to have fun. And I was like, well, why don't we go play? And we got a little game out that my, my son got where you stick little swords in a barrel and then whoever gets the, the last sword in there pops the top off. And they thought that was the greatest thing ever. I got involved, got down on the floor, said no to screen time, TV's off, and we played this ridiculous game. And it just took... All that, hey, I want screen time, Dad. Took it away. Um, My oldest, she's, she went to middle school this year. So this week was her first week of middle school, and all of her friends at the age of 11 have cell phones. Mm -hmm. And she does not. We have a house phone, and the reason we got a house phone because she's starting to stay with friends and overnight things. And if they have dirtbag parents or little girls are being little bitches to my daughter and she wants to come home, I wanted her to have an access. Mm -hmm. So when she goes to a friend's house or my youngest wants to go, that's perfectly fine. Take the house phone. If you need me, you call me. I'll be there. And it's got life lifeline where you can see where they're at 24-7. Like, it's got all those features. But at that age, they don't need a damn phone with access to internet. It's so dangerous. Well, I'll tell you what. And one thing, I don't think it's talked enough about this. And I've seen this with three of our children now. Where when they get plugged into that technology and you don't restrain it enough. And they get in there and they get in that, that room cycle of video games and everything. All three of my children have went through major depressive states mm -hmm. going into that. They self-isolate. They get in their, their thought cycles and then the reinforcement and it's so negative with the games already and everything else that's going on. And when you get these kids out of that environment, then you make them start doing other activities, physical activities. That goes back to that mind-body connection, right? Watch their mood change. Watch them become happy yep, again. Watch 100%. them lose that depressive state. Like, I think that is so important about not just eliminating the exposure to technology, but making sure that you're balancing technology exposure with physical activity. Agreed. With activities that require behavioral traits. Yeah, it's the amount of times I told those girls, turn everything off and go outside and play. I yep. was like, go play yeah. in the dirt. <laughs> That's what you need right now. Yeah. They had a great summer. They had a great summer outside. Luckily, it didn't rain a whole lot, so they didn't have a whole lot of required time inside. Yeah. They had a neighbor kid that... Well, I'll, like I'll share this story too. This is this one was very impactful, and I didn't actually learn the lesson until much later in life, my senior year of high school. Um, and I, I I'm 47 years old, so I grew up all with you guys in the same man, time got, period. You got some damn good genes, man. Thank you. Wow. Like a ginger thing. It like, is, it's a it's all the man, souls. You look good. <laughs> it's all the souls he's taken, man. Yeah. Well, that's see, and that's a misconception about gingers is we don't take souls. <laughs> 
What do you do? They're given to us. Uh, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting My for it. I'm going to get a good one. one. Like, gingers have no souls. Like, no, we have a lot of souls. Uh, sorry, sorry, man. I derailed you again. You said you were 47. <laughs> <laughs> like, Drew's 47. He looks, I know. He looks Look like a difference. Yeah, a little different. He's Infantry. Yeah, right. Infantry versus tanker. All those tabs you were yelling out earlier. Oh, absolutely. Fuckers uh, are heavy. <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. Uh, I digress. But uh, so it was my senior year of high school. Um, it was prom night. Uh, I wake up. My dad's waking me up at that's zero six on my prom day, and uh, he kicking the bed. I'm like, what do you want? He's like, hey, get up. I'm like, oh, okay, dad's home. We gotta do what dad says. So I get out of bed, walk in the living room. He said, go all the way down to the bottom of the property. There's a shovel. I want you to dig a hole and don't stop. Until I come get you. At this point, I realize that I don't ask questions. Mm. Right? Dad says to do something, I go do it. So I go down at 6 o'clock in the morning, dig a hole. Mind you, this is May in Kentucky. Hot. Sun's blaring. 4 o'clock, he comes and gets me. I have a hellacious hole dig. This is a monster hole. You can see China in this bitch. He said, all right, you tired? I said, yeah, I'm tired. I said, go upstairs, get showered, go have fun at prom. Didn't realize it. But why he did that, I was done at 10 o'clock. I was ready to come home. I didn't go to parties. I didn't do anything. I took my date home. I came home, and I went to sleep. <laughs> the next day, he woke me up said, go fill the hole in. I was like, Damn. you son of a bitch. <laughs> I went down and filled the hole in, took a whole lot less time to fill the hole in. But I didn't realize until later in life, like, okay, now I understand. Because all my friends were out partying, drinking, doing all the premarital sex fun stuff. But I was I was done. I was spent. And I'm like, that, that's actually a pretty good lesson. Could have saved your life. Could have absolutely yep. saved my life. Yep. If I tried that with any of my kids, that would have gone nowhere. <laughs> no, 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 one scoop, I'm done. Yeah, they're like, who are you burying? You know, I, I'm not in. I'm, I'm not even going to ask questions, you know. but all, I'm going to help you. Right. <laughs> I'd be out there 20 minutes later putting the shovels up. Yeah, be. Yeah. <laughs> it was an impressive hole. And it might have been a burn pit. We could have used it for that. <laughs> it was huge. Oh, my Lord. Well, the we, places we have went. Well, we really appreciate you guys coming out and talking to us. It's been absolutely amazing and inspiring and Keep fighting the good fight, yeah, guys. man. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah. You guys are great. It's been a pleasure to get to know you guys. Yeah. To, uh, I'm glad that you reached out. Uh, I'm glad somebody read my blog post on my crazy <laughs> testimony to the Missouri House uh, Veterans Committee Affairs uh, Committee. I'm glad that uh, you guys came out and uh, was there for the filming on the uh, 5G warfare stuff with Boone. And uh, we've got a lot of cool stuff uh, coming down the pike, man. It's always something new and interesting going on in Grunstyle land. So keep it rocking and rolling. Like, mm -hmm. had, glad to have you guys on, on board for the ride, man. We're going to do a lot of cool stuff. So. Absolutely. Well, we're glad to be on board. Appreciate yeah. everything you guys Great have done. You guys. And, and, you know, whatever we can do to help your cause, to, to help promote, to get people out at events, to, to support, that's what we'll do. Awesome. Well, I'm going to put in a quick plug. Gruntstylefoundation.org, man. All the cool things that we were talking about uh, today. Uh, you know, that's all made possible through the charitable donations from uh, people, just rank and file folks that, that give a damn. And, yeah. uh, you know, if uh, anything we've said hopefully today resonates in any way, you know, you also can be a part of that. Yeah, if you're around the, the, when we're physically there to do it, you know, please come hang out with us and, and, and do the cool stuff too, man. Uh, if you're not able to do that, 
you know, any donation amount helps, right? Uh, we're, we're, we're a charity, and uh, that's what uh, it takes to make make this engine run. Absolutely. So head over Absolutely. to GruntStyleFoundation.org. You can go to the Donate tab and, uh, you know, consider becoming a recurring donor. Uh, any amount helps. We're grateful for it. Thank you. Absolutely. And for the listeners out there, make sure you look in the description. I will add that information in the description so you'll be able to click the link and head to the Grunt Style Foundation. And then you guys can figure out how to support from there. I'll tell you what, for everybody out there still listening, do me a favor and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you get notified and hit that notification bell so you get notified of future episodes when they drop. We will be dropping episodes every Saturday by midnight, but most episodes are going to come out Fridays at 420. All right, and we want to take a second and thank our sponsors. A big thank you to Malevolent Art Tattoo Studio. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there in Barnhart, Missouri. If you guys are looking for a new tattoo, go ahead and look down in the description. You will see his contact information. Reach out to Anthony or go down to his shop. His shop is beautiful, and it's filled with wonderful artists. They'll walk you through the entire process from beginning to end. They'll make sure that you see a sample of what's going to be going on your body. And when you see the artwork that comes out of his studio, you guys are going to be pleasantly surprised if you mention the stone dates podcast when you're talking with anthony you will get fifty dollars off any half day booked appointment another big thank you goes out to strategic stitch strategic stitch is our partner with our website they're doing the drop ship for us they're doing our apparel uh, i'll tell you what if you're a small business out there and you're looking to get into you know, you know minimum requirement orders and, and wanting to skip some of that more expensive stuff and you want to get in at a more affordable price hit up strategic stitch they do great at small batch orders, t-shirts, hats, anything that you want custom with your, your logo for your apparel. They can hook you up with that. They also do a tad bit of laser engraving over there, which is really cool. But uh, go ahead and check out our website, www.thestonedapespodcast.com. On there, you will see our store and you will see the apparel that they have and they have done for us. We will be getting new pictures because uh, somebody's been slacking on that. But uh, I'll get some new pictures up of the finalized merchandise so you can see just how quality it is and we got some new releases dropping as well so that's a big thank you to strategic stitch as for this episode we want to thank grunt style foundation again for coming in and gonna definitely invite you guys back and we'll have to keep doing this anytime absolutely and uh for these stoned apes we are out <laughs>